Hello and welcome to Overwatch Plat Chat episode 100. I forgot how to do the intro. Uh, Plat Chat Overwatch episode yeah. 106. 106 episodes, and I've been present for every single one. It's, it's incredible. It's been amazing to out. build up this journey and mm -hmm. like this company. Yeah, and with the same four people on every show. Yeah, and all the hard work they put in, and yeah, the usual faces. Jaws <laughs> joining us as well as uh, as as Mr. Prince, Vast. Mm. And, and you, Josh, as well. <laughs> Thank little, you. Yeah. Little Joshua. You look like an angel from um, heaven. Yeah. And obviously, we have a lot to talk about. I do. I'm, I'm incandescent really by the, the lighting. We have a lot to talk about with this episode. A mm -hmm. lot to go through, starting with Squid Game, the new hot show. <laughs> Everybody's talking about it. Everybody wants to know about it. Is it AstroTurf, though? Is it AstroTurf? Is it AstroTurf? Is it AstroTurf? A lot of people wondering, what is AstroTurf? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Because it's when a, I saw your tweet... artificial grass. Okay. <laughs> you no, know, I know what AstroTurf <laughs> artificial grass is. What is the, what is the advertising but the term, term? It's like, it's fake, you know? It's like a yeah. purine real, but it's fake, oh, no, like AstroTurf. So it was you know? coined about 30 years ago by a senator. Um, because it's been going as far back as that. I don't know what's real and, and what isn't. It's when, <laughs> that is real. Oh. That is actually real. Um, but the term AstroTurfing is like, it's used in marketing to describe something... When a company wants to promote a product, mm. but they want it to seem like it's organic, like yeah. word of mouth or like in, okay. in modern day terms, like viral marketing. And so it's used. Old men a lot sat like around that. a boardroom saying, how can we go viral? Yeah, but it's, it's like very intelligent and very deceiving in terms of marketing. It's because, insidious. Yeah, because it's, it, they, they essentially, they, they kickstart like uh, artificially a, a viral campaign around something and then uh, everybody else just takes it away. Um, right, and then it and then it pops off organically after that point, but it's like, yeah, because it was ve very much like one day to the next. Anyway, besides the point, I explain what astroturfing is. It's that it's like an artificial viral viral campaign. Mm -hmm. Is Squid Game astroturf? That's what today's episode's about. No, I mean, <laughs> I just that I just is what today's episode of Flash Overwatch. A quick about. yes or no from all of you. I don't even know what Squid Game is. I need to touch some grass. I haven't watched it. So. I absolutely need to touch some grass. <laughs> real grass or AstroTurf grass? Uh, real. Yeah. Real grass. I think, it has, I think it's a fun premise of a show. It different, is. you know? There wasn't a lot of things going on right now for some of the, the larger networks, like Netflix and such. And also on top of that, it has pretty Korean people, and people lose their mind over that. And I think that's pretty much, that's all, that's, that's all you got, you know? I like your haircut. The aesthetics are nice. I actually do have new hair today. For the first time on a plat chat over on a plat chat episode in general, when someone says you have new hair today, Vast, I actually have. Can new you hair give today, us a so spin? I haven't gotten a haircut. Yeah. Wow! wow. Look oh, at that clean. <laughs> wow! I had to get my, my earbuds on the other side. They, they okay. Don't fit You're looking good, well, but there. Looking, looking very good. good. Went to a place. It was a very interesting. The barber shop had free beer and liquor. So you show up uh, for your haircut. And they will. You can get complimentary beer and like a, or even like a, a cocktail. What? I had that for the first time recently when I went to yeah. pick up my bike. <laughs> I, I just ordered a mountain bike. Well, I don't. I don't think that was complimentary, Josh. I think they gave that to you because they were preparing you for your journey to ride a thousand miles, <laughs> like in the heat. And on top of that, the bike wasn't ready yet, so there was just have like a piece offering. No, I haven't. I just. I don't think he's I talked just, about. I this. just bought no. a mountain bike recently. Bought a mountain bike and said, I I can ride it back. Yeah. And it was like 40 minutes away? Yeah, it was 30, a 30 minute ride in almost 100 degree weather. Yeah, well, it was like 90 at and the you time. And when's the last time you've, ridden, you've you know, ridden Done a bike? Any sort of cardiovascular exercise. <laughs> a while ago. <laughs> but I used to cycle a lot when I was in the UK, but I also was about 20 pounds lighter yeah. then, I think. So 
Yeah, mm. but they gave me a free beer and I enjoyed it and then it went straight to my legs and I got Kurt to uh, drive me home. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, we met him at a restaurant nearby. Yeah. And it was a, it was a fun time. I oh. like your haircut though. It's um I I feel like I'm I feel like I should just give in and go back to being bald, you know? It's 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 losing yeah, you, fast. You suited the bald look like really well. I think, I think you look like race. a distinguished gentleman when you were you. your head shaved. Yeah. Thank you. Know? you. Like yeah. it look, you look authoritative. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll I'll issue commands from my from my ivory dome. <laughs> yeah. Not like a commands and like you're commanding people what to do, but rather like more so like a like your your intellectual speaking. Like you'd wear a turtleneck. And then the, you'd be at a podium. I'd look like a fucking James just, Bond villain. Just, just a shaved yeah, bald you know? head and a turtle okay. neck. Let's get this on the road. Yeah. Oh, a read? Josh, speaking of shaving heads. Yeah. You shave your balls with the same razor to use your head? Wow, Bren. I'm so glad you asked. I don't shave my head with the same razor I use to shave my balls. Whoa. I have a different one provided by me for Ma from, Ma from Manscaped, <laughs> who are the partners for this episode. Boom. You can save 20% off with code PLATCHAT at manscaped.com. It's that easy. It's oh. that simple. So, wow. yeah, it's... Uh, that's, that's the code that you can use. You get free shipping as well on orders. Let me talk to you a bit about the products, Bren. Because, okay. I mean, are you a fool? Do you use the same razor? Don't answer that question. <laughs> Don't answer that question. Listen, autumn is in the air and the pumpkins are in the patch. And our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you don't carve your pants pumpkins while you're grooming. Because that, that would be a serious issue and would cause a lot of bloodshed, wouldn't it? Wow. So that's the whole purpose yep. of their products. Uh, make sure you're keeping things fresh this fall with the leaders in male grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package. Boys, get ready for a cuffing season like no other. I don't know what that sentence cuffing means. Cuffing season, I think it means cuffing like, is like that means like you're getting married yeah, or like, like you're, you're getting, getting together in a relationship. You know? You're getting in a relationship. You're getting cuffed. That's quite a um, sad way of thinking about relationships, isn't it? Ah, uh, the old ball and chain. Yeah. The old <laughs> ball and chain. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. That's such a sad way of thinking about relationships. Um, anyway, join the 2 million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code PLATCHAT. Uh, and your balls will thank you. They really will. It's got a ceramic blade. Can't ever nick it. Mm -hmm. Ain't happening. They have a nose trimmer, too. They I do. have the, used the, the nose whacker. trimmer, actually. That they, yeah, the, I've used the You've nose been using trimmer. it? It's not bad. I, I do. I have, I've used it. Don't, I think it's quite pleasant. I can't used, see I've, any nose hairs coming out your nose. Yeah, I there's no apparent. Generally, hairs. I'm they're sprouting out like some sort of like you know like they're just sprouting out like some that. Overgrown moss. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As you get older, you get you just get these weird hairs growing. Yeah, I have one on my hearts. shoulder. I don't have hair oh, anywhere on my yeah. torso, yeah, but I have dude, one on my shoulder. I have that one just grows. on the, the back here. Got, like, it's like a, it's a long here. white hair for some reason. White. Yeah. White. Yeah. Which caused my stress. Yeah, that single hair on the back of my back, that's yeah. one. Have you well, been you're... hit by lightning? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Maybe. Um, all right, well, that's episode 106 of Plat Shadow Overwatch. Yeah, good show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, we got, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, I think I've run that joke back at least five times Yeah. over the course of the show's lifetime. But all anyway, right, well, the Overwatch 2 show match. Uh, let's get some initial reactions out of it. I have a lot to say about this, actually. Kick um, us off. You want me to kick us off? Yeah, I do. It's yeah, quite, you're the go right It's going to be 
a bit of a 180 compared to the usual happiness and rainbows that's going to come from Matt and Johnny. <laughs> okay. Um, we've got rid of the optimists on the show. We got, yeah. rid, of the, we got rid of the two, those two. Don't worry. They're gone now. Dude, I saw the stream from Matt and I was, I mean, where is the hashtag sponsored? <laughs> I, I mean, dude. He I, doesn't need he's it. He's so employee much. of Activision Blizzard in his bio. He technically dude. is sponsored already. It's, he is yeah. sponsored, yeah. I mean, I'm taking a piss really, but okay. So I watched the, I watched <laughs> The other two show match, I don't know if you guys felt the same, but it. Okay, let's talk beginning about the placement of it in the overall show. Right. It was very disjointing watching the grand finals. And if it was a better match in the finals, which we'll get onto later, it would have been even worse. But the, the fact that it was a roll, it wasn't too bad. But there was definitely like this th weird 30 minute gap where we were just. And now Overwatch 2, you know? I mean, the yeah. Atlanta players came back after the Overwatch 2 show match and they were just talk talking in all chat. <laughs> <They> yeah. Like, <laughs> it felt like they, they were they just mentally just out of it by the time they, they got to the show They were employing the rain or the, the dragons to like play mirror comps. They were like, please, Mr. Dragons, do not <laughs> play beat rush. on us anymore. Yeah. And then the dragons ended up running Ryan Zarya. Anyway, we'll get, we'll get onto that later. Um, my, but watching the actual show match itself as well, I was... I, I was in the middle. I wasn't disappointed. I wasn't blown away. You were just whelmed. It was, you were I neither was under nor overwhelmed. I was, I was watching it, and it, it left me with some concerns, and it left me thinking, well, we're just watching an Overwatch 1 balance patch. Because, we're, yeah, you see the reworks with Bastion and Sombra, but they don't have access to every hero. You don't get to see any of the new heroes. You, And watching it as well, I was hoping it would feel less puggy with the structured play of the pro players, but it is very much constant action, which yeah. also concerns me, I think, from a perspective of... of the game mode, I think. Like, yeah, yeah, it we, is. Obviously, we were talking about it, uh, Connor, like, on the call when we were doing... You, you were doing the companion stream, but yeah. it's just because there's a central objective that you're, like, consistently firing around. It's not like Koth or anything where it's a percent. You always kind of have to be touching the point. And the spawns seem extremely close as well. Push just seems... Yeah, I so think, chaotic. Like but it's not just that as well. To, there is another aspect to this, right? Which is if you win a team fight but two of your players die, you as a three, you have three players, right? And two coming off the respawn. The three players are pushing the payload forwards. Those two players have now even further to catch back up to you. You're going yeah. towards your opponent's spawn and away from your spawn. So it creates these situations where you can't really reset when you're on attack. You 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 can't regroup and take another fight properly you're just always moving forwards and taking scrappy deathmatch engagements it, it really felt like the the spawns were off yeah and i think that's something that could be solved with balance pretty easily i think a bit of tuning in terms of how that flow plays but one thing that's kind of underrated when you think of esports titles this is the main point i wanted to try and get out here is you think of all a lot of the top esports titles there's not money where you have constant action. You know what I mean? Where very little downtime to break down shit. Overwatch is already very fast paced. Yeah. You don't have long to break yeah. break down and set up expectations, win conditions for the next team fight when you're thinking about it as an esports title. But you think of all the top esports titles over the course of history, our short-lived history in esports, sure. right? Like, League, CS. Yeah, Dota. League of Legends, you have this laning phase kind of downtime a lot at the beginning, and it kind of heats up later as you teams fight over objectives, and you have these big spikes 
of action. Um, RTS games, you have this slow opening and it slowly ramps up over the course of a series, like ultimately culminating in like a big decisive moment that ends up winning the game or losing the game. And uh, I mean, tactical shooters as well. Again, you get the flow of the rounds and how they play out in each individual round. The flow of the game is very important from a perspective, uh, from the spectator's point of view. And I worry that watching this now, we're not looking at the full game. We're not looking at the full picture, but I worry from watching it, how brawly it felt that it might just be overwhelming. It's just going to be at 11 the entire time when you're casting this, you know what I mean? I'm watching this. I think the only comparison you could make it to in terms of esports is maybe something like COD. Um, yeah, that, but then that COD is has, constant. Yeah, like COD, but then has varying game modes as well. You have like S and D, right? You get one. Yeah, life. like hard mm-hmm. point is constant, um, but S and D is not. Yeah, so. exactly. And like uh, even uh, control, or like they call Into it something hell, different. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh no. Yeah. No, I'm thinking of what am I thinking of? No, you might con- be thinking conquest. Of Conquest. Conquest. Oh, right. not, like domination? It's not called Conquest, though. Domination, yes. Yeah. Domination. Yeah. It's called Conquest in Battlefield, sorry. Yeah, and like you have different game modes that break up that kind of action. But yeah, things like Hardpoint. But then even in Hardpoint, there is... I don't know if a lot of you played like... I played a ton of Black Ops 2 back in the day. Like Hardpoint was my favorite mode, and I was like an anchor player um, with the... I can't remember what gun it was. It was the burst rifle. can't remember. Um, it was so long ago. Oh, but there, even then, play. it was like a very... It was paced in a way, right? Where you would one team would control the hard point, and then the other team, because in COD you want to control spawns, and then the other team would spawn super far away. Then it would be like a wave of people, and if they can take it, they take it. If mm-hmm. they don't, another wave of people as they come in from the respawn. So even that is kind of like paced. But, but this just seems fucking. There, there is there is pacing to it. Like here, the blue team won a team fight. Now they're pushing, sure. and yeah, there's what ten time. seconds of downtime like, as you set up for the next fight. Ten seconds is like. I think nothing. it's just a game mode. Though as well, yeah, hundred like, percent. As but, much as like, I'm, but also that—that's what got me when I was watching. We we watched one map of a lot of Bastion and Sombra being played, so you're already thinking about how those heroes are being reworked. Then you've got all of the other changes to solo tank and stuff like that, and it being five v five, and it's a brand new map, so no one really knows what they're looking at. And it's a brand new game mode as well that we've never seen being played at a top level. So you have layers of new stuff all built up on top of each other. And the and game's incomplete. Yeah, You're yeah, looking at the, a game the, where they can't play every hero. Yeah. It's a lot of the reworks apparently haven't been put in, I think one of the players said. Right. For like the tanks and whatnot. Um, yeah, so, but my point there is that the... Um, I, I wished that they would have shown us like... Let's just say a King's Row, mm-hmm. but with 5v5. Or a yep. Hanamura. Or, well, Hanamura would be kind of stupid because it's not going to be competitive <laughs> for Overwatch 2. But some, some kind of traditional map that already exists, just so that we could get a sense for what the differences are with the game itself, not the extra game modes and the extra uh, other stuff on top. Because I find it really weird that the community perception after this was a combination of both this feels too different to Overwatch 1, and this feels like a balance patch. Those two things seem like they should be mutually exclusive. It should either be incomparable and really exciting because it's brand new, or looks pretty generic, and so everyone who likes Overwatch 1 still likes it. And yet somehow, it seemed like it got the worst of both worlds from one map, and it left me feeling confused 
and a little underwhelmed is what I got out of this. It didn't leave me with excitement. It left me with confusion. And that's... I absolutely didn't want that at the end of... In the middle of of the grand finals. You know when they did the reveal before and it was the devs playing? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. It kind of felt like that. But like these players were a lot better. So it was like less picked yeah. apart action because on the dev stream it was like okay we're going to show like these good clips it's not like a full game we're cutting down little bits and pieces here and there you know what i mean like I think they did show a full um, game though the show match with the devs did they yeah, was it, yeah they had they had like on it one was, of the new they showed Rome on, like, toronto the, it was toronto i believe Okay, Wait, maybe I misremember. What was the race car? New York. What was the race Because car? they had like the they crazy, they had like a bunch of crazy um, fights for the last, and they showed up all the various like archetypes Monte of the Carmen? map and Monte like Carmen. how different areas open right, up and okay. close yeah. and right, such. Okay. So they did have some, but I mean, it was tough to really gauge it from like a perspective of like when you watch the devs play it, it's like a lot of the clips are carefully curated. I, yes, like obviously, I mean, which is good yeah. because you do want carefully curation to show the differences of the game, but also when you watch the full match, you're like, Holy papige, like what am I looking yeah. at? Well, like, I think I, I was just like, expecting to... something more out of this one because we already saw a lot of what we're seeing yeah. now. I people wanted also... maybe a new hero or like more of those changes you were talking about. Yeah, people yeah. blew that dev I stream, I think, out of proportion. You know what I mean? The, the the general feedback from a lot of people was very negative. There's That's the trouble as well when you get to this stage of a game's life cycle where the people who are most invested are also just the most bitter <laughs> about it you know what i mean yeah like thousands, it just yeah. they'd be the first to complain even though they play it every single day and yeah, sure. there was a lot of people complaining like oh the quality of gameplay i didn't think it was that bad i mean yeah it was fine it was better than the average player it was a nice showcase of, of skills at the end of the day it's cool that we got to see something new but yeah my my feelings were were just kind of I wanted in the middle. more <laughs> yeah I wanted yeah i wanted more. more i got to the end of this map and i was like okay i was like oh they i thought there was going what to be something more off the map I was like, oh, maybe like a teaser or something. You know what I mean? Like, well, they oh. did. They did announce one piece of information, which sure. was that there might be new heroes when Overwatch League 2022 begins. Wow. I thought give that us was a given. <laughs> give I us thought, a silhouette of a character. I you know that what was I mean? A given. No, they no. didn't. So they're going to be. They so, didn't even confirm it. They just teased it. There so might. there might be the the possibility of Overwatch 2 next season being played on a pre-release version of the game without the new heroes introduced. Yes. When the balance is around those heroes being in the game, but they can't play them. Yes. Yes. Fuck me. That's, I mean, listen. I mean, there is a very real possibility too as well, which I find very interesting about this, is that there is a very distinct possibility, obviously we don't know about release dates, but it seems possible that Overwatch League will be out on Overwatch 2 and the game might be unfinished enough to where it literally will not be out to the general public. So just the Overwatch League will be playing this beta release of Overwatch yeah. 2 mm. for yeah. like a whole season when the game's not out. Yeah. And that's well, that, also that could be spun in a way, like I keep thinking about the, you know, the beta version of Valorant where oh, you had yeah. to watch and you like sure. got randomly dropped keys to play the beta. Mm-hmm. If they but did that would that, only make sense if there's a playable. Yeah, they'd have to have a playable play, right? alpha or beta yes. release at that Dude, point that would, and just trickle people into it. But that would be a great would, way to market it. That would absolutely slap. But if, then you yeah, need that would be the, the version. Way to do it, you need the Overwatch League version that people are playing to look enticing. They have to watch it and think, I want to play this. Mm-hmm. There needs to be new heroes. Did you did you not get the feeling when you were watching the devs play Rome of, I want to play this? Because I was interested to hear what the pros thought, but I didn't get the immediate feel of like, I've got to play that. 
I need to see new heroes. That's really yes. it. I just need yeah, to see new heroes. If the new heroes were there, I'd be like, get me on. Uh, yeah, like, right. Yeah. right now. I want to see how Currently, this works. I just feel like it's under... It's kind of it's weird because people are going both directions, which is why public feedback is sometimes hard to get. You know, it's why like it's why things it's why things like the Blizzard net forms should just be deleted, and why Riot deleted their official forms. They're useless. Like they're, you're not going to get anything good. Obviously, that's a little unfair to everyone. There is good feedback to be found, but I mean that literally is a fact. Riot, I'm pretty sure, didn't they delete all their official forms? Like, I have no idea. I think so. Anymore. Yeah. I mean, it was also um, just and, a, a haven of toxicity. So yeah, and so I feel like it's very tough to gauge accurate criticism at times yeah you, you have, have to sift very... the gold through the poop it's like it's just tough. rivers of sluice and you're trying to <laughs> sift and try pan out the gold from that people have yeah. shit out in their heavy metal so i think riots. there's a lot of cool things to it but it definitely felt to me it just didn't feel any different right yeah. it just well, there's no new heroes there's nothing like new. a balance patch the game mode is yeah it felt you like a balance patch probably recreate scary. it in the work like custom game. I don't think yeah, you could you just because the, the reworks of um, you Bastion some, and Sombra. You could do some crazy. But shit. the Bastion yeah, and Sombra reworks were cool. I did particularly enjoy the Bastion rework. I think everyone yeah, was, was really happy and positive cool. about yeah. the Bastion yeah. rework. I think we that was. I love that they leaned more into like he's a. You know, I said earlier in the show last week, like I want to see him be transformed into more different modes, and like that's yeah, what they yeah, did. Yeah. Is that they had more modes to transform into because that makes sense for his character. I think Sombra's gameplay is. I'm more mixed on because i think it's good that they're getting her away from like cc no abilities <laughs> based hero and more gunplay based hero but also she seems almost scarier in a 5v5 environment now yes, because there's less way to peel so imagine you're a zenyatta and you get hacked and you take 50 percent more damage and the and it's a lift and he shoots you, you in the head die. and you're gone you're vaporized yeah, yeah, like you're just yeah. you're just dead right so like how do you even so there's i'm kind of mixed on that but i think the bastion reworker is cool the somber one you know they can tune it and stuff it's overall oh. you know i think the best I don't know. way to sum it up at least from my perspective was i don't find reworks like crazy entertaining like i want to play but for the possibility of playing new heroes absolutely it's like when yeah. sim and everybody like those kind of heroes get reworked i'm not like oh fuck i need to play this character i'm like cool i will probably get around to playing that hero eventually i'll see it and ranked i'm sure there's a billion one tricks but without the enticing new hero five new heroes one new tank two dps two support or something you know like yeah i'd be 100 percent down to biting at the bits to get that shit okay mm -hmm. let's move it on um because as well we're gonna do like a bigger breakdown i think on it yeah, we'll do a whole um, episode on Overwatch. Yeah, too. listen, the most off season. <laughs> got a lot of got a lot of time. Got a lot of time. Got to got to find some content to fill. So yeah, got to sh sh save a little bit of it. We'll talk about the grand finals though, the playoffs itself as well, and our grand finalists, the champions of the 2021 season, Shanghai winning 4-0. Um, yeah, the the more the, the tournament went on, the more inevitable this felt. Yeah. Honestly, if it because they were just yeah. rolling through the competition um, in the upper bracket, uh, yeah, this team's sick. I don't really have much more to add on to it. They beat the three best teams on the way as well, though, right? They beat at least from my perspective. They beat Gladiators. They beat mm -hmm. Dallas. They beat Atlanta. Yep. Those are the three teams yeah. that, when you look back at the bracket, had the best shots of making it to the final and and putting up some kind of fight um, and, and the shock to even open things out like Shanghai ran the gauntlet on the way through, and they just cruised cruised through everyone. I think they only dropped two maps total, didn't they? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I had to go I've back and check, but I mean, either one way, against, it, one against it, Dallas regardless of the actual one against numerical amount. Dallas and one against Glatz. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, wild. Dominant. That is yeah. absolutely wild.
And honestly, I think we... And the next topic is going to lead into this as well, but I, I, actually, I'll, I'll hold that thought for the next, uh, the next line, I guess. I, I want to ask people, what do you think of the grand finals? Because to me, they were the worst finals we've had, I think. But I'm going back and forth in my head between the 2019 and the 2021, because 2019 yeah, was, was a 4-0 as well. But the weird thing was our expectations were higher for it because it was mm-hmm. this big rivalry between Shock and Vancouver. And they were like... I, I don't know, 5,000-plus people in the Philadelphia stadium. I can't remember exactly how many there were. more. It might have been 10,000. I don't know. Someone, uh, can one of you look up the numbers? I don't remember. I don't remember how much it I'm sure the, there'll be some article somewhere about what the attendance was, but yeah. it was somewhere between five and 10,000 people there. I can't decide whether that was better because the atmosphere was hype because there was a live crowd and the production and Zed performing and all of that shit. Or whether it was worse because all of those people turned up and just got to see Vancouver getting oh, shit yeah, right. on. Yeah. Uh, but either way, this one felt very limp the final day. But nothing really. I think 2019 was worse than this do. one, honestly. Uh, yeah. Just personally. What yeah. the um, expectations for 2019 were definitely higher. When I was going into yeah, this sure. personally, I was like, okay. That's what makes it a bigger letdown. I was like, this <laughs> is doomed. Like. I, I thought Atlanta pl- were, like, it's hard to deny how amazing Atlanta were in playoffs, right? And, like, leading up to playoffs, right? Like, how much they perfected their particular style of gameplay yeah. and dealing with a lot of, like, some of these somber comps from NA-based teams when they swapped to, like, Torb with Pelican, right? Or uh, or even Kai occasionally. But, like, I think as soon as I saw that Atlanta was going to be in the Grand Finals, I knew it was over. It was, like, I didn't think they were ever going to be able to make it close. I feel like the only teams capable of doing it were going to be, like, Fuel or maybe Glad's. Yeah, and yeah. it was just—I just knew it was over. And like, and it's not even a disrespect thing to Atlanta because I think Atlanta cl- like clearly proved that they were a top tier team, like a top three, four team in the entirety of the Overwatch League, one hundred percent overall. I mean, they finished top two technically since they went to grand finals. Yeah, and um, it's just their particular style was never going to be able to beat dragons yeah. they, they match like, up really nicely against the other na teams it feels like they have a yeah. good read on how all of them play they they understand how to like get the most value out of their comp but shanghai are just on a different level and yeah. particularly if you don't have the flexibility to be able to uh go go to bizarro land to try and come up with new different ideas to push the shanghai dragons if you only play one style they are going to read you download you and destroy you Atlanta definitely were one of the better teams equipped, though, for it. I think with the talent they had on their DPS line, it just... I mean, they got they're just diffed, too, they're just too, they're, Even Shanghai are just too good. As good as Kai and Pelican are, especially as we got into map 3 and map 4, Lip started taking a shit on him. Oh, and yeah. Fled as Farah yeah. as well just couldn't be stopped. The DPS oh, difference yeah. was monumental in this final. Yeah. And, and this clip. I think Kai and Pelican are amazing as well. well you say DPS diff, I think... The, the one moments where Atlanta Rain actually looked like they were winning fights was when Kai and Pelican were popping the fuck off. And I, I mean, it, Lip did come alive at the end, but this wasn't, I think it's a little bit too much to pin it on a DPS diff for this win because the entire fucking team yeah, was of co- mental. It's, of course it's a team diff, but I'm saying the, even when there were moments where a DPS player just takes over the fight, yeah. more often it was the Shanghai DPS. Lip's Hanzo was crazy. Fledas Farah was unbelievably good. I, the Atlanta DPS players were great, and they have been great all season long. All I'm saying is, even that wasn't good enough to be able to contend with Shanghai. They couldn't even get the advantage in the DPS department, which is, on paper, where they're the closest. Hmm. Yours. Yes. Sorry. I think I'm lagging or something. I don't know what's happening. Oh, 
Can you hear me? Um, yeah, Hello? no, I'm good. It's just like the video. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> like the video is like freezing. I should be uh, fine though. It, I want to prompt you. Yeah, I think your feed's fine. I want to prompt you yeah, okay. a question as we're teeing up the next topic here. Is Shanghai yeah. the best team in Overwatch 1? Of Overwatch 1's history? Is this the best team that we've seen out of the history of At this stage, esports yeah, I think so. in Overwatch 1? Because the game has evolved to such a point where um, even over the past few, four years that you put any other good team at their peak versus the Dragons now, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a contest yeah. at all. Just, I, I just, and you could pin opinion. that to be the game evolving to a point where the other teams wouldn't be able to compete. Like previous past historical teams wouldn't be able to compete. I'm sure there's some fucking stupid joke I can make about the two month Alienware monthly melees, uh, but you know, <laughs> it's it, it's no com no comparison to what Shanghai Dragons will be able to do now. Like no fucking way. Yeah, I mean, still... I don't know if anybody else thinks, but like, not even even looking at like Goats era. Like even the best goats team nowadays, if they were, if you took that skill and then played it now, non goats form whatever, it's no, there's no way, there's yeah. no shot. The Shanghai Dragons wouldn't be the best team. Raised every year, every year yeah. the teams get more competitive. There was a bit of like brain drain when it comes to like shock. So I would say like a lot of the talent that made shock so dominant is gone. I mean, I'd love to see twenty. Staff. I'd love to see twenty twenty shock against these guys yeah. because Shanghai didn't. No, no, no. I mean, it's it's wrong to say they didn't improve, but they didn't uh, they didn't add massively to their roster from last year. It's mm -hmm. not like they've improved on paper on their roles. They have improved as a team, though, even from their incredible performance last year, where they were easily the best team in APAC. Um, I'd argue they technically the biggest move they made, and it was one I highlighted preseason, and which is the best move they could have possibly made, though, and really the only move they did make was fate, the addition of yeah, fate, yeah. and well went. Do you think that was a good move Mate. initially in a preseason? I th oh yeah, I love the move. Really? Uh, I, I think I, uh, yeah. I I, I I remember talking about it, and I thought Fate even before then. I thought Fate was the most well-rounded main tank in the entire league, and I think he continued to prove it this year. And yeah. like, because Fearless, it's obviously everyone was in a, would loved Fearless from last yeah. year and previous years. He had like, and like we, everyone was like, oh wow, he's really really good. But after I watched Fate play on the Mayhem that year. And heading into 2021, when I say he's going to be on the Dragons, like, holy fuck, this move is amazing. Like, because he he's just the literal definition of a perfect all-around main tank. He plays everything, well, he, and he's incredible at everything. Yeah. Like, he definitely he's so made improvements on the Wrecking Ball as well this year. I mean, just... Yeah, he became the, the best The ball at the start but... of the year was very feed. Did feed a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that's, I, I was concerned with the move initially. I mean, I, we're really getting into the weeds with this discussion, I think, talking about fate what he added but yeah it was it was pretty good i mean shanghai are just in terms of their coordination how hive mind-esque they are they they i think they are the best team in terms of that as well on top of the individual mechanical ability of almost every single player on that team um they're insane yeah i've got another question as well that's related but do you think they're the best team relative to their time you know like yes Absolutely. You think they're Comp better? their time in what, in what no, way? No, what like I mean is, in... compared to their competition this year, mm -hmm. are, they, are they the furthest team ahead of their second team? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. like, Shock you. won last year. It was a 4-2. There was a bit of a patch change, but they looked, like, pretty dominant. But they still had Fusion, who finished ahead of them in the regular season, Shanghai over an APAC. In 2019, Shock took a while to warm up, but then were well, clearly the best team for the second half of the year and dominated the finals. But, like, do you think Shanghai are the best team relevant to their time period? Yes. 
Because they, it wasn't even a competition. When we, we, I think of like some of the most competitive times in history, 2019 with GOATS, Shock versus Titans, that was relatively competitive up until the end when there was a patch change and Titans just kind of fell off. Mentally boomed. Yeah, they yeah. fell off. And maybe if we had stayed in GOATS, it would have been, I don't know, uh, a, different, a different result, a more competitive result. But yeah. over the course of the year... <clears throat> I mean, Shanghai have definitely had ups and downs in terms of their play, but where we're standing right now, I think they've always been a top-tier team. I think it's safe to say that they were kind of, obviously, there was always a risk when they were holding back at the tail end of the Countdown Cup mm. that they wouldn't actually continue looking as good as they did previously, but they, they didn't. They just showed up and absolutely pooed on everybody. I, so, I was definitely concerned about that for both yeah. them and Dallas, but... Yeah, I think the only other team that is in that conversation for an entire year of being the best team is last year's Shock, honestly. And if I remember correctly, last year's Shock won the main melee and they won the Summer Showdown as well, right? But they didn't... No, sorry, they won the Countdown Cup, but they didn't win the Summer Showdown. That was the one that Paris... Mm. Uh, that was one Paris one, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there wasn't a tournament at the beginning of the year. There was no June Joust. No. Um, so while it is a little difficult to compare, the fact that Shanghai dominated their region, won two of the uh, four Cubs, came second in the other one, and then they'd already locked in their first place position three quarters of the way through the year, and they steamrolled it the was playoffs. I think they've even got to be the best, even if you account for time periods. I think it was quite hard to tell, though, as well. I mean, this, con this question is very abstract. You know what I mean? We have to apply a lot of uh, guesswork because of the, the split-up regions. I think overall, this is a topic for later as well, but I'm kind of just jumping right into it anyway about talking the strength of the regions overall. Sure. But I think APAC was a weaker region overall compared to NA, but Dragons were firmly, I think, the best team over the course of the season. Oh, 3 million percent. Like, every time you cast a Dragons game this year, you get on and like, okay, so how quick is this actually going to finish? Like, how quickly are <laughs> right. they going to be able to speedrun this? Like, yeah. No they, doubt. They were just different. I think Dragons, in, out with no hero pools, were the best team. With hero pools, mm, there was oh, definitely restrictions sure. on their power, mm. right? But because if, I feel like they definitely, if, if Grand Finals, if this playoffs had been a hero pool, depending on what the pools have been, there, I don't think there's a guarantee Dragons would have won it. But they lost the main melee this year. Yes, but um, then June Joust had hero pools, and they they didn't have the right read on the meta going into the June Joust, and they still managed to adapt and beat the Dallas Fuel, who were. I'm I mean, simply Dallas saying that there's like the it wasn't it wouldn't be a foregone conclusion like it was this time, right? Like we were all heading into playoffs, and sure. we were all almost everyone was universally agreed that Dragons were the favorite team to win. Yes, yeah, and yeah. like there was maybe some hope for an upset, but like no one was necessarily holding their breath. But while if there was a hero pool involved, I would say it would have been a much closer affair, potentially. Like, we yeah. could have walked away from that and been like, there have been other teams. But with no hero pools, there's just no team that can even, compete against the Dragons. Side. Even a major patch change, because last year, a very similar roster to this, who had similar levels of dominance over in APAC, ended up tripping over themselves when they got to the Final Four, because it was a fucking hog meta. Yeah. Because suddenly, just a hog was required, <laughs> and they ended up losing to Gesture. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, yeah. that, yeah. if there had been some major playoff patch potentially someone else could have won. But Shanghai have also impressed me with their level of adaptability all season too. They've just been able to play everything and 
adapt to counter everything as well. They're just such a smart team. Outside of something uh, yeah. fucking mental like a hog main tank meta, it felt like there wasn't much that could have stopped them. I think they would have won a hog main tank meta as well because I think Fate's also a better Roadhog than Fearless. So, like, I I actually think that, like, they would have been fine. I, the only thing that actually would have boned Shanghai, realistically, was something that would have hurt, potentially hurt their DPS hero picks, I think. I think their tanks and supports were perfectly fine to play just about everything. I, I, I personally just think Even something that hurt their DPS picks. The DPS line, I think, they they pop the fuck off, but Flood is a bit of a role player in terms of the DPS. Like, it's not flashy. He's just got incredibly high levels of consistency. And IQ as yeah. well. Mega smart yeah. it's, This team Very is just player. unreal. I mean, that's my takeaway. It was an absolute pleasure to watch them in the playoffs, honestly. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a freak where I actually don't mind watching a team that is so much better than everybody else. Because I didn't really know how to describe it. There's like a chess term for it, I think. When you force your opponent to make mistakes. Okay. Do you know what it's called? It like begins with a Z. Oh, Zugzwang. Yes. When you, 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 you force them to make a move, and the only move is a losing move. Exactly. That's right. what it felt like oh. watching Shanghai Dragons. <laughs> they, they played with such proactivity that they would... The Atlanta Reign, I think, felt forced in times to, to pull different stuff out. Any team that played against them felt forced to use ults to turn around fights because you just never knew when the Shanghai Dragons were going to turn it around, like in a 4v6. Like the old shock, That's you know? definitely my favorite part as well. Like, yeah. I think Ruins encapsulated that rather perfectly when Lip just chatted ENP'd them at their spawn doors. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, who, yeah. what, what, how is that a good play? But like, it doesn't matter because they're just going to win anyway. Like, it was ridiculous. Yeah. And their ability to play so far up, literally touch the spawn challenge, but quite literally touching the spawn challenge yeah, yeah. completion is is just mind-boggling and i get i 100 get you brain because like that is very fun like it is a very fun experience playing on the other end of it awful experience yeah. i'd rather <laughs> uninstall overwatch but like watching that as another team is crushing yeah yeah all right um i'd like to move us along if that's okay let's go uh, the next topic here is discussing the, the opponents of the shanghai dragons we all know the key takeaway the conclusion shanghai equal good atlanta rain uh, they kind of went on a bit of a tear, actually. Uh, I, don't, I don't really have much to say on this, other than I think immense amounts of respect, I think, to Unter coming into this team. Yeah. Um, because there was a clear defining moment when he was introduced. It took a bit of time, but they were a different Atlanta reign. They were no longer the scrappy team that relied on their DPS to drag out a lot of close wins against top-tier opponents. They were disciplined. They had... They had, you know, a bit of a playbook towards them. And I think, I mean, that coincides with Unter joining the team in a big way. And it seems like from the social media, you can always get a bit of an indicator as well of like how important the coaching staff is to the team mm. based on how they treat the coaching staff. And Unter's <laughs> sure. just fucking walking around, slanging it around with a mullet in Hawaii <laughs> yeah. and he's joking around with the team. Like they, when, you're, when your players yeah. are like friendly with you and still show you respect on social media, it's clear that they, they acknowledge and respect your opinion and your impact in a team environment like that. I think that was very obvious to see. Mm. Is that why you're considering growing a mullet? Because you no, want to I mean, be respected. No, no one respects <laughs> a mullet. No one respects a mullet. Yeah. I think the mullet difference was, was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was pretty tangible when you watch the team. I, I have to say my... Besides the Toronto Defiant, which has lowered me down into the grave entirely for my preseason predictions... The rain was the other team I got very, very wrong because I wasn't expecting to see them make to essentially take the same team and just put better DPS players 
well, and then go to grand finals, you know? I, I wasn't yeah. expecting that to happen. I think most yeah. people thought that as well, though. Like, because the Atlanta Reign has always had talent. They just never converted it into anything. And it's always been like a bit of a, a strategy diff whenever they played previously. Yeah. And so true. when they didn't, I don't think they made any changes to their coaching staff. I was really concerned at the beginning of the season. But then, like I said, I, I, I think I put a lot of stock in Hunter joining the team. Yeah, it's, it's either Hunter or some player mentality shift or... Um, uh, there's there's clearly been some major change in the Atlanta Reign in this offseason that turned them into this team. And it seems to happen at, around the time of the June joust where they picked up that uh, Moira Lucio Rush, uh, the, like the zombie comp kind of thing, and they just had a feel for how they wanted to play it, and they suddenly looked like a team that could actually win things. But I still didn't have faith in them coming into the playoffs to do anything major. I still thought that they'd be behind Gladiators and Dallas, and yeah. maybe even shock if they went on some crazy run, which... I didn't think the shock were going to do either. But this Atlanta Rain team proved that you can run Rush to an extraordinarily high level. The integration of the Sim, I was really impressed with. Especially when, I, I think it was in the game where Atlanta were playing against uh, Dallas, I think it was, where they had insane teleporter plays. And uh, they did it against the Gladiators as well, where yeah. they're putting down... Fake TPs, they're putting down like TPs to flip the map. They're TPing high ground and dropping. They're like, they have so much ver variety with what they can do. Um, and I don't know how many of those are pre planned plays that they've done in scrims before, and how many of them are just on the fly and their communication is that good. But they, they just seem pretty seamless with how they were running those comms. The TPs for me were the most fun aspect of the rain, honestly. Because, yeah, there's. We did see a lot of those attempted TP plays where people would uh, TP on top of each other. You just TP the turrets or whatever. But I think Atlanta Rain did take us to the next level with the fakes because those fakes, man, watching an entire team turn around looking at the teleporter and then no one from the Rain is taking it and they just walk at you because yeah. everybody's got their backs to you was just on another level. I think their read of the meta and like uh, their understanding of how to play those comps and even just like mirrors was just... Uh, it was just so good compared to a lot of the you know, uh, NA teams. They're also extremely coordinated with, not just in terms of play, doing different strategies around the TP, but it's so important that when you're playing around Sim, that you have a hive mind mentality, ooga booga grug moment of like, we are taking the fucking TP, and like we are in, and we are yeah. taking this fight, when no one is left behind, do not say it the TP, we are burning the ships behind us fucking conquistador style, <laughs> and we are like in. And they yeah. were probably consistently the best at making sure to always get everyone in their TP, and to not lose anyone because of spam. And it's so, like, when you watch, you, a lot of teams, they would just have so much trouble, especially on maps like Hanamura First, where they try to play the TP, and they would just get fucking dominated by spam comps trying to take the TP in. And sure, Rain versus the versus some teams, they struggled a little bit, but they always managed to pull it together and get into the point with their TP play, which was pretty much the most important basic tenet of playing around Sim and Rush, is that you are using them very, very effectively and directively and just getting in immediately and taking like very aggressive fights i, I, I was also impressed with them pulling out ball like running these ball yeah. traces yeah. end comps they didn't look like the cleanest team in the world they didn't look like they had the most um like the highest ceiling in terms of the individual play you know kai's tracer and iris's zen they're not their best picks in terms of the heroes but the fact they were still able to run this to a pretty good degree i did i think did they go 50 percent on dorado I think they, they ran this twice, I believe. I think they got forced here by 
lads and by Dallas. My memory is is off after so much Overwatch this week. But I think they they won against Dallas and they lost against Gladiators, right? If I if I remember correctly. Uh, uh for on what are you asking about for which map? On Dorado. When Atlanta played the ball Zen Tracer comms. I think they were I think they actually I was expecting them to just put up a decent fight but lose. And I think they went 50% on it, which is yes. incredibly impressive from a team that was mostly defined by rush. They yeah. did have yeah, the they, flexibility they, to move on to stuff that Dorado, we had seen more they, they went fifty percent. Yeah, they lost. They, the, yeah, they, they they won against Fuel and lost against Glad. They yeah, upset so. the expectations. That I mean, a lot of the narratives coming in were that they were the rush team, but they did show us a lot of different looks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I was impressed. So. I was really impressed because that was the other reason why I didn't. A lot of people, at least myself, was not having them very yeah. high. Is that I knew they were going to be very good at rush. I was just worried about if they were going to have to flex. And for the most part, they didn't necessarily disprove that narrative because they mostly played Rush yeah, the majority yeah. of the season, you know? But mm -hmm. they did pull out the ball, and Gator's ball was solid. It got the job done, you yeah. know? Um, and, like, <laughs> would, I, would I put it as, like, the most amazing Hammond play I've ever seen? No, not necessarily. But did he play at a top level? For sure. All right. The next topic is a bit of a, a pain point for me mm. because I, I've, I'm a big Shock fan. And we've got to talk about this. The three-peat dream of the shock ending. It was yeah. done. It was dusted. It was already almost an impossibility. Like, there's a reason you don't see franchises in traditional sports or whatever get three championship titles in a row because it requires so many different things to go right for you. It's so unlikely. Um, yeah. You really don't see it. But, uh, yeah, I still believe. Uh, for the shock, they got boomed by Shanghai in the first round of matches. I could see that happening. But I was a little bit disappointed that they had decided to go all in on the zombie comps, it felt like. Well, not all in, but they made that their primary composition of which to try and um, take wins on. Yeah. And you have so many talented players that you could have leaned into, at least. Like Violet on the Zen, you could have leaned into a lot more rather than Violet on, on uh, Moira. It did look a lot better um, in the playoffs. Like, they clearly... Or I think still playing at a reasonably high level, but yeah, I felt like they kind of got owned in terms of like what they thought the best take of the meta was. They they felt like a bit of a baby Atlanta, and Atlanta did really well. So I don't I don't know how much you could be mad at that to be honest. I, I think... I'm more mad that they swapped their paradigm. They they mirrored Rush versus playing Zombie in terrain. Mm. They I feel like I don't I, because... just, I think Zombie comes dog shit. Personally, I, I've I, I felt like their Sombra play with the rush was really good. I think they had incredibly good hacks versus it. And I would have loved to at least attempted to them to try play like one map even versus the range just to see how it went that, on their with yeah. the Sombra comp is, um... rush. I would have loved to see that. It's hard, obviously, but I felt like they had such incredible success playing it versus Chengdu. And obviously Chengdu, it was a close match, but they're playing arguably a team with just ridiculously cracked out aimers yeah. with leave and do, such a um, when he's on i agree with your point i think glister's sombra looked better than his symmetra and like glister way made better. a ton of improvements to his sombra um that will showcase i also here. think nero's reaper was a really lot good. better than yeah. his yeah. wow all of the new too all the newcomers stepped up for the shock yeah they did fd so, god had a great playoffs too i mean i, mean, I don't yeah. see how you can come out of this and be mad at fd god in the slightest oh, no. no fd god had a and also Choi had another like just fucking nutso performance during playoffs yeah. too. Troy's performance on off tank was legitimately crazy. So I really I do, feel like I do feel like Shock could have done better. 
Yeah, this playoffs to me, I was actually pretty happy with how the Shock played. My expectations yeah. for them were way lower than mm -hmm. a lot of other people's. I thought if uh, Philadelphia had turned up, we might have seen the, the Shock go out in two. Uh, that didn't end up happening. Philly looked pretty shocking, actually. And then I definitely thought Shock would go home to Chengdu. And the fact that Shock got through Chengdu in five and then only ended up losing to the, uh, essentially the two finalists, right? They lost to yes, Shanghai. They lost, they the lost to Atlanta. Shanghai and Rain. And, yeah. and I, yeah. I felt like this Shock did have some moments for sure where it looked like they had that magic to them. Like Super was making incredible plays. The DPS line was stepping up. Were they the most well-rounded team in the world that always had the answer? No. Did they always have the clutch plays to get them through it? No. That, those were the things that they've relied on in the past. But they still played a fundamentally really good game. When people have been saying all year long that Shocker excellent, it's just a competition stepping up, I, I don't think that's been true for some parts of the season. I think Shocker have played oh, no, worse sure. than last year. They've been, yeah. But this playoffs, I agree with that narrative, that Shock were still playing pretty much as good as they did last year. It's just the competition was better. I think this was yeah. a, a performance to be pretty happy with if you're a Shock fan. But you want the three Definitely. And people should not be mad. There's a lot of, you know, pee-pee-poopers getting all mad at Shock and getting all pissy. Where's my three-peat my asshole, etc. <laughs> you know, like, where was that? But <laughs> I, I think Actually, overall... Though. Three feet, my asshole. That voice line that uh, Hawk good, said. You good, didn't. You missed this. Yeah, they I missed did a comms check yeah. at the end of this map yeah. where Hawk said, three feet, my asshole." <laughs> and, yes. And a bunch of like, the, I say a bunch, like people associated with the shock, not the players themselves, but like staff and like family members, yeah. got really angry at <laughs> that comment by <laughs> Hawk. <laughs> But and it was super fucking funny. It was, it was, I mean, it was so fucking funny to me because clearly Hawk was like in the moment, you know, the adrenaline's pumping and just wanted to say something cool at the end. <laughs> and it's like when you're fucking, he's probably in the shower now thinking like, fuck me. You know, when you, you, you're like getting an argument at school with the bully, and you're like, God, I should have said that. He's probably looking at that moment saying, why did I say three P my asshole? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was such a, it felt like such a flustered moment. And people got angry though. at it, which made it even funnier. But at the same time, I, I like people talking their shit. Yeah. yeah. Normally, it's only a very small amount of people that get angry with any of that kind of stuff. Was it, was it yeah. actually people, like, in the shock that were getting yeah. pissed at that? No, it was like, I mean, it was, like, people tangentially related to the organization and, like, maybe some, like, people that were, like, based around and such, like, I think, and super fans, like, not super fans. It was, player, was sure that I saw it from, like, um... Fans. Actually, I'm not even going to try and dox people, honestly. But I, there's I no point to dox. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to say names. I mean, that but is I fucking from, stupid, though. It, it I really is. I saw it is. from family, uh, some uh, some people, and also like some shock staff. They may have deleted the tweets now as well, just because you know you you're cheering your team on, and you get yeah. emotionally caught I mean, up look, in the moment. He yeah, ain't but... saying that to their faces, you know. Saying like he's not standing up across the hall, throwing a water bottle at them, and saying three yeah. p my fucking asshole, bitch. Even like, if he was. That would be that funny. Would be that would, that be, would be even funny. funnier. Yeah, is, as long yeah. as he's it's just like this is the shit we talked about a long uh, like a long time ago. Or just like in, it's been a general thing in the community recently with the whole shit talking thing. Like some people not liking it. It's a minority of people, like maybe like ten people, maybe saying fuck this shit. We don't like shit talking, but everybody else finds it hilarious. But they're just the most vocal. Like that's all it is. People don't understand. I think the fans, even the parents, probably don't understand that the players don't actually have ill will towards each other. Yeah. They're just saying it to talk their trash. They're, it's it's funny. Banter is funnier when you are friends with the person. 
it's funnier for me to tell Bren he looks like a chimpanzee than it is for a random fan to tell Bren he looks like a chimpanzee. Right? Yeah. Because he knows that it's coming from a good place with me. That fan might actually think he's a dickhead. <laughs> you know, like, it's yeah. it, the, the banter comes from the, the humor derives from it being brutal to the people that you are friends with. I don't, I don't understand how people can't get that through their heads. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway. anyway, whatever. Um, let's shift Fine. the focus. There's a lot of teams to get through here. Are San Francisco still the greatest franchise? Because... This is something that we talked about a while back is that San Francisco, I believe, are now losing to Shanghai in terms of overall major titles in Mm. Overwatch 1. That's crazy. I believe how much stock you put in championships. It does. It really does. Because if you place a lot of stock in that, the argument, I think... Because, I mean, Dragons have only won one year, right? Exactly. So I think it's hard to put them as the greatest franchise ever, especially considering the first year of their franchise, they went 0-40. Yeah. I still think Shocker probably the tippy top in terms of just trophies on the ca- in that cabinet, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely yeah, yeah, I, I weigh championships more than the uh, the tournaments over the course of the season, um, just because as you get to the tail end of the seasons as well, teams don't take it as seriously. And I mean, Shanghai didn't this year, so yeah, but, yeah, yeah. It's um, also I don't think you can be the greatest of all time if your first season you went zero forty and you only won yep. one championship. Yeah, it was a completely different team, though, as well. It was, but they, it's the franchise. We're talking it's about the franchise. franchise. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. simply can't have the team, the franchise that went 0-40, the worst sports team in the history of the world, yeah. with, that hasn't won, that essentially didn't win two. If they didn't win at least an equal number of championships, they just can't be the best. Sure. It just, uh, it's not fair. Let's talk Chengdu. The Chengdu oh, Hunters. I was disappointed. I was disappointed. I was, I was very fucking disappointed. Yeah. I thought they were playing some nonsense <laughs> shit. They, I mean, I want to start... With them benching Ivatol. Yeah, go off. That's King. that's where I want to begin. I'm fucking perplexed by the decisions. Well, well we've all the draw. Well, no, like, did you see? Did you see the? Did you see the tweet? Yeah, and I, ah, dude, mate, I'm just fucking. I dis- I I've lost trust in people, <laughs> so I don't. I don't know who to trust with this side of the story. You know, well, it could just be like. Evil to, evil to apologize though as well. Evil to didn't dispute the facts oh, of okay. the well, of uh, of it as well. I actually. Um, I have no idea where you'd find this. It's probably on Reddit somewhere, isn't it? It's um, on Reddit. You can find it on Reddit, like, like the Chengdu Evil Hunter Pinching. It's like from or... Ray. Yeah, Chengdu, oh, Chengdu Hunter, Hunter Facts. Hunter facts yeah. Yeah. yeah, they posted about Ray Pinching him. Their, their name is actually CDH Facts, if oh. Kurt's going to try CDH and Google facts, it or something. Yeah. But um, yeah, they. so the coach or the GM, can't remember which, actually. I think it was, it the was coach. Ray. It was Ray Binchton. Right. Because so Ray had, had conversations. With they him. put out a social media thing explaining why they benched Iviltal, though. And the reason was that they essentially weren't paying attention in scrims. Uh, Iviltal was just... Um, what, what, did, what did they say? They were, so they were, reading, they were watching shit? live streams, reading manga, not taking it seriously, like not paying attention during scrims or VOD review. And like Ray had multiple conversations with them. And he kept on saying, oh, I'm going to fix it. And he never did. And his yeah. atti- and also like you know he had some attitude like with him being like oh I'll you know he's getting a little sassy or whatever and essentially they just ended up benching yeah. him oh C D hunters facts there you go yeah yeah so this is the the Weber post um so uh, da, 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 da. is this, this the right uh, one this is Evertel's response to it um this might be the response to it yeah but I didn't I haven't read that um, yeah I don't know um but essentially Evertel was just saying yeah he was uh, sorry about it. I think this is once they got eliminated, Kurt. I think it'll be even further down. Probably a little bit further down. Um, 
It's supposed to be. Yeah, that's still that's too. It still needs to be further down. It's something yeah, about this Ray. Is, I mean, there are Ed so Sheeran many of the these coat. things. Yeah, that was Ed Sheeran. <laughs> I don't know why. Yo, they're fucking popping off over there. Where is it? Where is it? There's so many Around tweets somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Where the heck okay was this that from? one great tweet. Can we play that one? I don't know if we're allowed to play that one. That one. Is, oh it's, yeah. It's, it's just Nisha. It's just Nisha dropping the WAP in English in this live stream, which I think I is very funny. Uh, oh, so this is one old MVP. So it should be a little before this, right? Surely. How much does this channel post? I mean, they are translating everything. I didn't realize they did so much. I should uh, be, I think I should be have following this account. It. Have we gone past it? I think so, yeah. All right, fuck it. Either it doesn't, way, anyway, whatever, whatever, anyway, it doesn't way, matter. Either way, we, we gave the context. The context is Evil Tool got benched because of attitude issues, not taking Scrim seriously, and Ray said, Ray said, okay, I'm going to play Nisha. Yeah, I, I saw Dude. a couple of different reactions to this. One being like, why are you airing your dirty laundry online? My take of it is I love when coaches be spe uh, are specific about why players got benched. I fucking hate it when like Daco just disappears onto the bench for two stages and no one knows why and players get benched and then it comes out afterwards, oh, were there some attitude issues or something like that? If, if you're a fan, you... I think are entitled to at least decent communication about why your players aren't getting playtime, mm -hmm. whether it's strategic or not, because you, you have an emotional response to this and you also want to know who's at fault. Is it the player at fault causing themselves to be benched or is it the coach making some dumb shit decision and both have happened in the past and you need to, you need to know that. So yeah. I like the fact that they were so clear on this, that like, Evotol fucked up. He was being unprofessional, and so we decided to bench him. And I would say it had a literal effect on where they finished. Yeah. I, I think, think when you well. look at Chengdu going out in double five-map great yeah. games, they probably managed to win one of those. Maybe both of those. I mean, they do. Yeah. Yeah, we were, so, I was a bit disappointed. With Evotol in. We weren't looking at the Chengdu Hunters from the Countdown Cup. We were looking at... We were looking at just a weakened version. Of uh, of the Chengdu Hunters, it took away one of the one of the dominant teams that could have thrown some spice into the mix, you know. Um, but you that know. really wasn't the only change they made either. Too was that because they also played a lot more far away, yeah, instead yeah, of monk. That was also kind of confusing, um, yeah. which was definitely and their reasoning for that too was that far away performed better in scrims, and it wasn't anything to do with attitude or benching. They just felt far away was playing better in scrims leading up to the event. Oh, it so definitely. They I would say warmed up a little bit the more serious they played and the later it got. But initially, I was perplexed at this backline decision. Um, but yeah, knowing the context now... didn't play a crazy amount during the season either. It, it, no, it did it seem a little well. bit random um, when they would sub them out. But mm -hmm. obviously yeah. now it's... Oh, for this one at least, yeah. Farway apparently performed better in scrims, but... Monk had a stellar year, like a yeah. really good year. Monk was so good. Yep. Uh, Farway is excellent as well, but the, most of the time when they played him in the regular season, but... they were playing him on, on Zen <laughs> as well. And they ended up playing a ton of Ana because they were playing Ana Mercy Farcon. Monk's best hero is Ana, like straight up. Like, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't understand the decision with the back line. I assume Nisha, thing, but... well, Nisha played more with Farway as well because they were rotating their yeah. uh, support yeah. line in it twos was. most of the time anyway. So probably just had better synergy. Yeah. That's yeah, it must have been just Scrim's decisions. Personally, my smugness was off the charts. <laughs> my smugness was off the charts because I was one of the only people to be like, Shock's winning this match. Okay. Mm. 
Oh, and I was so smug afterwards. Did you have Shock uh, going for the lower bracket okay. to win the I whole had thing? I had, no, no, I didn't think Shock was going to win the lower bracket. I did. I thought Shock were going to beat Chengdu, though. Um, and they did. So <laughs> I was really happy with it. Yeah. And because, I mean, and personally, when I watched this match, do I think they maybe win this match with Evil Tool? Yes, but I don't think the Evil Tool change would have changed that they were playing far away either. And like their synergy felt a little disrupted for sure compared to playing monk right but i think far away legitimately still had a pretty good series like did he play amazing from the beginning no but i think he still had like a pretty <laughs> solid series i just personally when i watched hunters play it felt like the yes. same what you see, there was just a little tail. Front of your webcam. yeah there my cats tail. my cats just running everywhere um <laughs> When I watched them play, I felt like I was watching this team, the same Chengdu I've always seen, where they know how to enable their DPS really, really well. And they have very solid supporting pieces around that. But at the end of the day, if Leave and Jinmu aren't popping the fuck off, the team doesn't win. Leave had a pretty quiet match until the the maps they won. I I think they played fine. Yeah. I just wasn't overly... I don't know. I just, the team is very reliant on one win condition. It's just like, and they're really well built around it. Like the players are good and they're a lot more flexible than the previous, than last year's Chengdu Hunters. Like, and you yeah. couldn't even argue that they're one dimensional as much anymore. They are definitely a little bit more, they have a little bit more options available to them now this year. But I just felt like Shock was a better team and it, they showed. They just played yeah. way better. Their tempo was higher. They knew how to isolate Gaga and Late Young in particular, like often. Um, they kept constant pressure on Farway during the series. I just felt like they played extremely, extremely well during that. And they were the better team. And they were the better team heading into it. I don't think... I think Chengdu, they had a very singular win condition to work on. And that's why I just never felt confident predding Chengdu to go far. Because they just felt... Even though they have more play styles open to them, their actual win conditions and how their team operates is still based around enabling their DPS to do everything. And You know, with Shock... Um, Shock went up 2-0... Chengdu then won the next two maps and threatened to reverse sweep them. There was a draw in there somewhere, right? Yeah. But uh, the the fact that Shock won that map five, or map six, I guess it was actually, um, means the San Francisco Shock as a franchise have never been reverse swept in Overwatch League history. Because they've either... In the first season, they were too bad to ever get reverse swept. They were never up two maps. And then in the rest of the seasons, they've essentially been too good. They either keep it close or they just... Yeah, or they dominate. So interesting. That's any, a pretty uh, yeah. cool fact. Any Crazy final thoughts on this, Jack? Uh, not really. Disappointed, to be honest. I thought Chengdu would do more. Chung don't do any more, unfortunately. Yeah. I hope oh, they. Wow. I really do. That was awful, <laughs> man. Got him. Got him. I do hope they. Dreadful. <laughs> I hope they keep the same roster going into next season. All six. Obviously, it's the five v five. They should cut leads. <laughs> they should cut. Yeah, yeah just they should cut, cut one of their best players. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, how to so. go from uh, one of the best teams in APAC to one of the worst? That's a good <laughs> idea, Josh. I'm glad to see you're the coach of the Chengdu Hunters next yep. year. It's going to be a great year for you. Actually, the Spark hired me to be the coach of the Chengdu Hunters, and my oh, first decision sense, is actually. to come. That makes the whole. They'll probably drop you two months into the season, mate. So you know you'll be rotating out there pretty quickly. True, but they'll true. bring him back as a player. He's already had some playing experience, yeah. so it's okay. They're going to bring him back <laughs> as a player. I will say as my final thought, uh, thank God Coach Ray binged Evil Tool because fuck Divas. Like, honestly, that was a Chad move. Literally eternal respect for Ray of all time for binging Evil Tool at the playoffs because he wasn't taking shit seriously and being and being just a little a little bitch, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, 
if players are going to take their job seriously and they're not going to show up to play, and I felt like it was also perfectly reasonable for them to air it out also because Nisha was getting untold amounts of shit from fans being like, yeah. wow, you suck, Nisha. Like, But like Nisha didn't do anything wrong. He took his job seriously. He showed up to yeah, play yeah. Yeah. and his coach put him in. And like he he wasn't getting as much time before that. And like obviously he's not going to be his practice. And it's very unfair that he should have to bear that because his teammate wasn't taking their job seriously in my in my personal yeah, view. Definitely. So I think that it is ridiculous alpha Chad testosterone through the roof move by Ray to bench Evil Toll. And then also it is the correct decision as a as a team and organization that if your player is taking shit from your fans because you benched a player, it is on you to also protect the player getting the shit. Yeah. Like you you can't just unilaterally choose to like protect one player and not the other. You know, it's just not fair, especially if they weren't being responsible and they were not being professional. This next team. So. Do we hold a similar opinion that we do to Chengdu that we are now for Gladiators? As they lost out to the finalists, um, ending fifth slash six. Uh, for me, Gladiators were one of the favorites coming into it. I thought that in terms of like the Western teams that played outside of like Russian zombie comps. I thought they'd make finals. I thought that they would go the distance because they, I thought they had gotten over there. And I still actually do think they've gotten over their hump. You know, that thing, that, that almost mental block that was holding them back from potentially going far in right. high pressure matches. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. kind of, uh, yeah, that, that, that kind of pressure was off them, I think, off the back of the Countdown Cup. And so my expectations were, were very high. Well, actually, I say very high. I had a meme bracket that I predated them going out pretty early because <laughs> I had the shot going all the way. Right. But in reality, you, you know, when you're thinking with your brain, Gladiators looked like one of the favorites to go the distance. Uh, and they, they kind of didn't. They kind of, you know, uh, ended up losing out, ending up fifth and sixth. Well, what's the general takeaway from this, Jack? We'll, we'll go with you. Um, well, they just lost to the best teams or like two of the best teams right they lost to gladiators and they lost to fucking gladiators they lost to themselves they uh, mentally boomed <laughs> themselves no they lost the dragons and the rain um uh, can you can you argue that they should have been placed higher yeah probably but the atlanta rain uh, the shanghai dragons you don't really need to speak about that much but the atlanta rain looked phenomenal this playoffs uh being some of the top na teams so yeah yeah i think they could have gone further it was just Unlucky, these your opponents get owned. It, I, yeah, I, I agree with that to some degree when it comes to Shanghai, but the game against Atlanta is a hundred percent a winnable one, um, and it's definitely one I think they'll keep them up at night. It's like a five mapper that goes the distance. They hundred percent had chances to win, and if they had been able to eke out that little extra percentage, they could have been the team that plays second in mm -hmm. in in here it wasn't it was atlanta atlanta with a better team on the day but i don't think it was ever a given that they were losing that match whereas in this one it definitely felt like it like gladiators yes. got outclassed kevster got shut down mega hard by Fledder and lip the entire time they focused on him incredibly and the rest of the gladiators weren't able to make the difference except on hanamura where they looked really good but yeah the, the that, was amazing loved it yeah, that was it. That's it. you just that was just it. loved it. Oh, no, oh, I, I thought you were going to continue a point. I was just interjecting. Uh, that no, no, no. Was amazing okay. from them. No, I'm. I'm but finished. if there's more to point, I, I so I'm going to say the biggest. The, I think Gladiators would have been in the finals, except for the one thing that every team that played Rain kept doing, and I don't know why. Pick they Kings kept picking Row. Kings Row. Yeah. Oh yeah. Why? Yeah, I was molding about that. They keep I was picking Kings Row. That is yeah. especially for Gladiators, where they, unlike Fuel, where they were playing like Rush styles at points, Gladiators aren't playing Rush. You know, like they're they're just not playing that style at all. 
I'm like, why are you picking King's Row into this team? It just is mind-boggling that they would do this because personally, especially when you see the performance of how they played versus Rain and it was almost a win from them, I think they would have matched up better against Shanghai than than yes. Rain would have. I, I think there's I mean, a chance of that. I mean, t- I mean, they took a map. They, the only, they yeah, took they, a map from them. They were one of the two teams, right? I yeah. think they yeah. lost. Yeah. Like, and I, overall, their style was yeah, they're a team yeah. that was willing to play Sombra. They were also willing to team that play Sombra and could play Sombra well, and also rotate their backline onto different comps where they could put Shu on Ana or on Zin and have the ability to protect them with Skewed. So I, I do feel like this. It was really unfortunate they picked King's Row because if they had picked any map other than King's Row, I feel like this would have been like a 3-1 yeah, for the, the Atlantic game. Their options for the playoffs were, as far as I can remember, King's Row, Numbani, and I think Eichenwald is the other hybrid that was in the yeah. map pool, right? I don't think we saw Eichenwald a single time, did we? They won, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think they would have won Eichenwald. I think they so would have. But... That's what I didn't understand at all, is why these teams that wanted to play more... They wanted to play away from the rush comps, right? You want to try and pick a map that rush is bad on. That, to me, is definitely Numbani. And if it's not Numbani, you want to be going Ike. And yet we saw so much King's Row from every team in the tournament. And I don't know why. Mm. I, I can't really understand it. I'd love to hear from like a player or a coach why they made those decisions. It just felt like yeah. the, the map that played towards Atlanta and, to some extent, Shock the hardest. I think it's incredible that Shanghai was able to beat Atlanta on King's Row, frankly. Yep. Yeah. So, and part of that was only done just because of like untold levels of pounding from Lip, never before seen on King's <laughs> yeah. Row. That well, it's just, that. he really is nasty. 6'8 gaming warlord. So he's I, so I, tall, I, isn't he? He's so, he's legit, he might, he might be the tallest person in Korea. Like, I don't know. He's so tall. <laughs> he's he ridiculous. But uh, I do think that it's just gladiators kind of beefing their map picks there. I think they would have yeah. won that match if they had had a different map pick. The, uh, the, unfortunate timing. In that game against Atlanta, though, the, the other pick that I thought was wild was Atlanta picking Hanamura into the gladiators. And, and me and Brent were talking about it at the time because Hanamura was the only map that they won against the Dragons. The game that you just watched there on Nambani, it's 1-1 yeah. at the half because gladiators were able to get the win on Hanamura and they looked insanely good on Hanamura. And then Atlanta come in and just 0% have... 0% win rate. What's sorry? One of those teams had 0% win rate on Hanamura. Am I wrong? I don't know. I'm not I mean, sure. But Atlanta clearly were dominating in, in scrims because they started picking Hanamura everywhere and they just had a, a just a god-tier read on how to break this Gladiators comp. Yep. Again, utilizing the Symmetra teleports and it took Gladiators a while to realize they needed to play crazy aggressive with Kevster. Um, they started off playing a bit too passive and giving Atlanta too much respect. They just overwhelmed them. It was, it was bizarre, but huge credit to the rain. Now, having said that, even if the Gladiators do win on, um, on hybrid, though, they, they at least get map pick for the final map. And not having map pick on control when the Atlanta rain can select a map that Rush works really well on. Like if the if the gladiators have been able to go to Oasis or something, sure that you've got university there, but the other two stages, I don't know. I think this match was insanely winnable by gladiators, and they just made a couple more mistakes on the day, and Atlanta were more prepared. Yeah, yeah, that's it was my a control my... map. I was thinking of it's my bad. What? It was a control map. I was thinking of which bad. control? I'm a stats. Uh, I like yeah. this stuff. I can't. <laughs> 
you couldn't recall it. it to memory after just looking at it. No, like I remembered it would. Oh, because I only looked at it, so I didn't look at the Okay, control. you've been I hanging out with your goldfish for too long, Jaws. You're starting to take on characteristics. You know how people say that they start looking like their dogs, they start looking like their pets. Your brain is morphing into a goldfish's brain. People say that it was. It looked like their pets. It yeah. was glad. Apparently, it's a thing. Nepal. <laughs> it was gladiators on Nepal. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Zero okay. percent win rate, and yeah, because I remember talking about it in the companion stream that the last time. They went to Nepal was actually against the rain last time they faced oh, off against yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah, you were talking and about that. Yeah. yeah, and then they went to it again. Obviously, lost again. So they had the tragic. continued that zero percent win rate. Yeah, that was absolutely uh, tragic. Um, that was a tragic. They they've also ended fifth sixth three years now. They yeah, did fifth sixth in twenty eighteen, fifth sixth in twenty nineteen, and fifth sixth in twenty twenty one. At least it's consistent. <laughs> yes, they're incredibly consistent. But they've I think they've every single year they've finished below their regular season placement. Um, they Damn. they've always placed at the level or a little bit higher. They've never outperformed their regular season placement when it comes to playoffs. So and it felt like this year was going to be the year. Unlucky, really. Just couldn't put it together. A couple of mistakes. That... Yeah. Uh, let's, let's introduce, I think, our last team that we're going to be talking about here. It's Dallas. Dallas Fuel. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they looked like they were going on a bit of a tear until they, again, met the finalists. And uh, they got knocked down, what was it, in the upper finals by Shanghai? Yes, it yes. was. Yeah. Upper yes. Finals. And met Atlanta. And they had, yeah. what, like, I guess 30 minutes of prep to watch the Atlanta shock game. <laughs> yeah. And um, because they that. watched that game first. And right. then it was a lower finals. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, Atlanta warmed up, heated up, um, looked. Uh, looked I, I'd say over the course of the tournament, they looked very good. I think uh, the general takeaway from most people who watched them play were like, oh my God, this is the team that could contend with the Dragons. This is before the upper finals. Because yeah. they looked like they had the same kind of like hive mind approach to the game where the coordination was fantastic from them. The same kind of confidence in their play where they were happy to invest ultimates into fights that potentially wouldn't be winnable for a lot of other teams. But they would edge it out because they were better. And... Uh, yeah, it, it was looking good until it wasn't. But one thing I will say before I go to the restroom, because I am desperate for a piss, <laughs> is overall for the Dallas Fuel, my word, did they make the best out of their situation in terms of like the limitations they had on the roster. Oh, um, yeah. And a lot yeah. of respect to Rush as an individual as well for making that work with the whole team. Um, really, yeah, I think really, really well done. feel you know, a little bit sorry, sorry for Hastro. It's, it's been his white whale, I think, to try and catch the an owl championship with, yeah. with his investment into it. Um, but, but generally speaking, the Dallas Fuel, I think they, they did a fantastic job given, um, given the limitations they had over the course of the season. And now I'm talk about leaving you Pine? all to talk. Well, we have For not talked about Pine, but I mean, what is there to talk about? Uh, exactly. <laughs> Where the fuck is this guy? Like, I was expect. obviously I'm not expecting him to come out during the playoffs maybe they would have subbed it in but why man, did he get a... signed we said we that asked this at the exactly. time and i still what? don't know the answer why did he ever get signed it was 100% to play hit scan it's just i think they something it's just they got something fucked messed by up. visa process yeah, they got fucked they by visa process essentially like it, there was a real legitimate reason to have him because xd was gone they needed a hit yes. scan player was it interesting that it was pine Yes, it was very interesting, but there was a hole that he was filling 
was he the person to fill that hole? I, I don't I can't imagine Dallas playing with that level of player on their team. Like a guy that hasn't played pro play in years and That's already the had the flashiest style you could possibly have, like crazy aggro. Yeah. The whole team would have had to pocket him and you're relying on him just pop like Ans couldn't do that shit this year. <laughs> you know what I mean? If Ans can't do it, Pine isn't gonna come in and do it. I think it's almost a blessing in disguise that they got fucked by the visa issues. <sighs> Yeah, uh, and at that point as well, you're so far through the season that integrating Pine into the roster for these matches, I, I don't think it would have been any better than just doing Spark with Doha throughout the whole thing. And just Spark with Tracer wasn't great to start off with, but oh boy, did it improve. Like, yeah. I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I'm just confused about the whole thing. It's really unfortunate that you get fucked by visa issues. Happens a lot, especially these times, but I... Man... <laughs> Just, I enjoyed watching I Dallas during these playoffs, though. I, I was concerned that they were yeah, going to come in yeah. and flop. I, I wasn't really worried about Shanghai at all, but the break that Dallas took, I was concerned it was a bit of copium when they were like, oh, you know, we're not really trying. We're just focusing on the stuff that we need to improve on, like Phyllis's ball, etc." I was like, okay, well, is, is that real? Are you, are you actually going to come out to the playoffs and look like your old selves? They did. I think mm -hmm. the improvements, especially that Fearless had made on the ball, were yep. palpable. You could tell how much work he'd been putting into it. They looked like a team that really could have gone the distance. But then they meet Dragons and you realize, no, their Dragons are on a different tier. But they look great. You Sorry, I had to get a um... spritz bottle because my cat was about to yank out every cord in my PC. So <laughs> I, have to I have to keep the spritz bottle on hand to prevent damage to pc <laughs> do you think ultimately the the kind of difference that we saw between like dallas not being able to take it do you think that shanghai just had the appropriate read on how to play the game in that current balance patch no i think that balance patch is mega open i think or if do, anything, do you think that they just they could dallas, dallas could keep still playing the compositions that they did and they could have won like this or do you, game, or do you I, think or do you yes. think that there is a skill there's a ceiling that you can reach in terms of how good a composition is you play it and you they just reached it with the compositions they were playing compared to the way that shanghai played a game with much more poke oriented comps i, th I think at the moment in the current version of overwatch where everything's not everything is open but you can play divey stuff like dallas are playing here you can play mm -hmm. more of like the poke oriented stuff like shanghai or even if lip moves over to ash um and you can also play rush comps it, in a world in which all three of those styles are open shanghai were able to just it felt like dominate and control the tempo of this game because their players are so individually talented that when they play this comp where they are all pretty spread out but coordinating with each other, you know, one person's coordinating with one other person and they have... Um, it, it's not that they're grouped up with one singular goal. They're incredibly adaptable and moving around the map for multiple objectives like micro objectives in the middle of team fights i think they're just on another fucking level yeah. i really think they are and dallas can't quite do that because even though it's incredibly impressive what they've been able to put together with sparkle and doha they're not unbelievable god tier uh especially sparkle tracer players and they don't seem like they have that incredible level of cohesion they're, they're outmatched on a on a man-to-man -man basis, and they haven't quite put in the same level of time. Mm. The Dallas were playing more comps where you 
all grouped together and had one singular focus in the team fight. Yeah. And Dragons are playing a comp where you can achieve multiple things at once if your players are good enough. Well, do you agree with that takeaway? Who? Uh, I Anyone? review. Whoever wants to jump in. Listen, Charles, this, would you like to go first? This is an yeah, uh, open mic I, night. Uh, <laughs> open mic night. Can't wait to start <laughs> Lucky duck. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I agree with that take, definitely. I, I love the way Dragons... Watching the Dragons play has been the most entertaining because they can spin off and, like you put it, Josh... Um, take those micro objectives around the map whether that's uh, for example dorado the high grounds for example and then taking control of the payload like dallas's gung-ho approach especially looking at this comp you want to emp then you want to dive on the back line you want to nano into the blade with monkey following up like those characters innately aren't the greatest against uh, taking those like micro little duels like it does require you to kind of jump on each other and i think yeah inevitably like josh said that's why the dragons are able to win yeah, I think overall, I think the dragons, because of the current patch that Overwatch exists, there is no currently best comp. But there is optimal comps. There are comps that are have minimized their weaknesses. And the way that dragons played the majority of the time with this ball sombra in the, the Zin is a minimization of current weaknesses. It is like a comp that is extremely optimized. And you have to be really, really good at either countering this, uh, either counter sombering or playing what Rain did and playing a rush style to deal with it at times. Um, and then the thing is about dragons is like, even though Rain, they could play a really good rush to where with like the May and the Reaper and things like that, or the Torb more specifically, where it's harder for the somber to find value. Dragons DPS and they're flexible enough to where they can just swap off the sombra and go play. You know, they can play Hanzo, go play like they can play a lot of other comps than just play pokier styles without actually worrying about somber trying to get hacks while they're going for tp plays right and to me i feel like the comp is really really good but it's not unbeatable there are definitely ways you could beat it either with like a rush style like a counter zombie style with like sombra which i think fuel would have matched up pretty well i mean they took a map they were one of the only teams to take a map off the dragons same with the gladiators i think both of them knew how to play around the sombra really well so they could have tried to counter sombra and they got a lot of value from their rush style of finding one person hacking them rushing them down, which is one of the weaknesses of the Dragon's comp, is that your backline's very static. You have Fate yeah. and Void, that if you get a hack on them, you can get them down. Uh, so I don't think it was like a purely, like, this is the only meta. It was just an extremely optimized comp that it's tough to beat because Dragons can just counterpick. I, uh, I hold the opposite opinion to all of you. I think that the Dragons did find a comp that not only is, I think, the skill ceiling of it is, is higher than what you can reach with the Rush comps, just purely on the way that it plays, but also, I mean, they, they are really fucking good. I'm not going to take that away. It's not like they found the right comp because other teams were playing very similar stuff. Yeah. Um, but they just, like you said, Connor, part of the game comes down to uh, playing a comp and mitigating your weaknesses with intelligent counterplay and picks. And dragons would do that pretty often just by switching one or two pieces. Yeah. Um, and they got really fucking good at that. Uh, but the biggest takeaway from their comp, the way they play it is, like you said earlier, Josh, about... Uh, on an individual level, every single player on that team is so talented that they can create these openings by themselves through just raw mechanics. Flutter hitting a pulse bomb. I don't know. Legion gone getting a nutty boop whip shot away to completely negate an ultimate. Uh, anything that comes together. Iziaki popping the fuck off. Just all playoff long, by the way. Underrated um, to a degree. I think a lot of people obviously know he has a lot of impact, but doesn't get, doesn't get spoken about a lot. 
Um, I think they found a comp that has a higher, you can, you can reach higher heights with it. Yeah. You see what my takeaway is with this? Like, I think they found a comp that they can, you can reach higher heights with it. And they, they did. They, yeah, were, they were head and shoulders above a lot of the other teams. That's also what Gladiators tried to do. They had, like, Gladiators had a similar composition. And yeah. they, have, they also are an incredibly individually talented team. But they still couldn't find the right adaptations against other teams in time. Yeah. The, I which don't think Shanghai that's... do un, it just insanely well. Yes. They're, yeah. they're so smart. Each player is... I don't know. I don't know how they do it, but they just manage to find... They, they make the teams that they look against... They, they make the teams they play against look like they make mistakes constantly. When, when you watch Shanghai playing against a Dallas Fuel, it looks like Dallas make constant <laughs> mistakes that get punished. And when Dallas play against other teams, you don't see those mistakes. They don't get forced out. And this overwhelming amount of pressure and then the ability to capitalize on tiny mistakes and turn them into picks is it, it it's miraculous <laughs> yeah it, it is miraculous but it's also they play roles that allow them to do it yeah of course which of course. which i think boils down to they found the meta the comp that works the best um that's, Certainly that's a less strict takeaway. meta than previous years. Though. Oh, no. Way more open. There wasn't a defined, you have to play this, otherwise you're going to lose. Because as we, as we already made the point, Gladiators played a similar comp to Shanghai in a lot of the ways that they like to play it. Very poke-orientated. And um, teams were competitive against them with Rush, and they ended up losing to teams playing Rush, um, amongst other things. But that's, that's my takeaway. Let's, let's shift it around. We already kind of touched on this earlier. I made like a little comment, but I'll leave it up to you guys as well that you can go into this, talking about which region was the better one overall over the course of the season. I think NA was the better region, but Shanghai were just the best team in an overall weaker region. That's mm. my takeaway from this because Chengdu had a lot of ups and downs. Same with, actually, they were generally much more consistent this year than they have been in the past years. But that's, that, that was my takeaway from the season, which a lot of people are probably going to be like, well, you didn't fucking watch APAC anyway. Well, <laughs> okay, listen, sometimes playing it up for the camera you know i like to i like to play a little bit of a jokester personality mm, do you yeah, yeah. oh yeah that's oh, he's a little jokester yeah, yeah. jokester i'm thinking of myself as joker from the joker movie it's it's yeah. quite hard to evaluate which region did better in playoffs though because apac only sent three yeah uh, apac only sent three teams the the uh, the western region sent five um yeah. and shanghai won so of the three teams that apac sent one of them won it and Sure, the other two underperformed expectations. I think Philadelphia looked really flat compared to where I was thinking they might get to. They looked flat even compared to where they were coming into, but it was only a small decrease in performance, I think, whereas I thought they would continue improving in that four weeks off. Um, and then Chengdu didn't really live up to but their potential, but for obvious reasons. Think about, aside from like the recency bias of the recent tournament, mm. which you might get chewed up in, um, think about the tournaments as well. New York got in initially, didn't they? In the first one, the main melee. No, that was uh, Chengdu. That was the... I believe it when was... When did New York get in? New York was June second. Joust. June Joust? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, but generally speaking, in APAC, is it... They had an incredible say, schedule, though, to get into June Joust. Yeah, it like, was... I mean, it was weird. Really easy schedule. Yeah. The, the top teams, you got Shanghai, Chengdu, Seoul, and... Um, fucking... Philly, I think, was the Yeah, next I highest. guess Philly would be the next Philly best was team, for right? May Melee, and then also for... Did they do Countdown Cup yeah. as well? Yeah, Countdown Cup. They, well, they didn't go to Countdown Cup. That was Chungu No, they didn't again, go, but, but they were almost yeah, made they were good, it. They yeah. almost made it, yeah. And then they got the playoffs. The more I think about this, actually, as well, the more I'm like, 
picking apart my argument in my own head. Um, because <laughs> I think so they were pretty... Because they are actually quite comparable. The reason I think of NA, though, I think they had a lot of competitive teams, but they also had... It, they had more teams. And yeah, they had more. And it was quite bottom-heavy as well, to a degree, in terms of that. Like, Paris ended up going even, but I think four of their wins were against the, the poopy teams. Yes, four of their wins were against London and Vancouver. Yeah. So... Yeah. It's... I mean, it's still a good season, but to me, when you look at the Houston Outlaws and down... You're talking about teams that would be middling to worse in mm -hmm. APAC, right? Yeah. Like the Toronto Defiant and even the Washington Justice in sixth place. I don't think Washington in APAC are doing better than better than Philly. I think Washington no. oscillated no. wildly, but I don't think they're going to perform better. Yeah. Um, when they're playing, they might not have had as low of a potentially. They might not have had that huge drop off that Philly had maybe yeah. midseason. But the thing but is, for Philly as been... well, I give them a bit of a pass because they had such a fucking brutal season with logistical issues. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah but also time. they they would have been consistently worse though. I think Justice would have been yeah. consistently worse. They yes. would have had any peaks. Yeah. You know? And also huge credit to the Philadelphia organization for sticking with their players even when they got screwed with visas too. They didn't just drop them and sever ties. They they brought Poco to Korea even after the season was over. And there was no chance here. he was going to play. Yeah. Like, right, he, yeah. literally no chance he was going to be integrated into the team for playoffs. Like, it yeah. just wasn't going to happen. A lot of respect. So, I mean, maybe that's Philly. just the Comcast billionaire bucks, but maybe uh, well, not they, all I, orgs can do that. But they. Uh, it was refreshing in the face of uh, the past couple of seasons where we've just seen kind of um, the franchises not really think of their teams as like a family or. or it felt like a yeah. lot of these teams, they treat their teams like numbers on a spreadsheet. Yeah. to pluck away and, yeah. and alter at will. Well, numbers like do the... mean a lot to that, though. I do feel like the Comcast Bucks is a very big component of that because, frankly, I don't think some teams are going to be able to afford to hold... Because I'm sure Poco's salary is decent. No, sure, well, sure. Okay. Like, well, yeah, I, yeah, very few but, people will be able to afford time, to hold on to player pain at that time. Philly have never given me no. the, um, the impression as a team um, that they... Throw it, players away? Yeah, it feels like they they actually do have like a strong attachment to the to the teams that they build. And what yeah. about Chips, though, Brent? I Chips mean, I mean, Chips was at, I mean the hottest pickup of yeah. What, what year was that? Twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, I, I blocked out twenty twenty out of my 2020. mind. It did not exist. Ask Realistically, they have done a very good job of integrating. Like literally, yeah. the only player that they've never felt like they put a lot of effort into playing was Joe Meister. In season one, <laughs> and like, yeah, but they even they gave everyone else like play time. They tried to split it, and they've always been a pretty good job of like yeah. holding on to players. So I will admit, Philly, even with their what you could argue is like evil overlord status at points with the person people behind it is like in terms of the overall company, it's like their fusion as an organization does do a good job of. Yeah, um, they do say morality. Together. Morality is a rich person's game. The poor cannot afford to. <laughs> <laughs> to, yeah. to, to make exactly. those kind of decisions based on morality. So it only becomes relevant when you have the money to make those kind of decisions. Uh, any hot takes yeah. on the, the overall better region? Um, I was going to say, because I casted like 99% APAC this season, for me, it was for APAC that always felt like a bigger top and bottom diff then there was an NA, but then NA had more teams, like we said before. It was very strange. Like, Spark this year started off okay. They started off pretty decent, and then they just started chopping heads off. Like, every five every five seconds, it was like, oh, this new uh, another player's gone. 
coaching staff gone, this other player's gone, this player's gone. It's like, oh my God, when is it going to end? They're going to be ending up in Overwatch 2 with only four players at this rate. <laughs> like, it, especially towards the latter half of the season, Spark, like, nose dove, Charge yeah. and Valiant were always just kind of obviously Valiant was very bad. Charge was like, crazy though. Like, I really thought that team would be decent. I they'd be all right. Yeah, considering they, the time they have like Kareev and stuff. And I was like, yep. oh my God. Um, Charge and Spark. Both really? In the preseason, me. I was they not high me. up on charge. Yeah, I think they, we had them pretty low, but I didn't think they'd go five and eleven. <laughs> I didn't yeah. think they'd go five and eleven and be so the both second those worst teams team. Angered in me greatly. Yeah, mm. but like there are way more. Like the top five in the West is just, and then you look at the top four, three, probably four. I just felt that the diff between the two regions was the how parallel they were. In, yeah. What am I trying to say? That is the right term. Yeah, it's just like that fourth to fifth. Fuck out of here, man! Like <laughs> that. That just doesn't exist. There's just such a a like Moses gap. gap in between yes. them. He's part in the Red Seas, but in the Eastern Region, what but the Western it? Region, it was like Moses a little bit gap. like, oh, like maybe these teams could actually be them. Toronto Defiant, Paris Eternal, Washington Justice. Well, they could potentially take some series off of uh, the Outlaws. Probably not the fuel, but like there was a little bit more gray area there in the middle yeah. than there was in these. I think I'd sum it up like there probably are better teams oh there's probably more better teams in the western region but the east had a higher percentage of them based on how many teams they actually had in there like, there's four yeah. out of eight were pretty decent all year long. 50% the, yeah. Yeah there definitely out. weren't consistently what six out of 12 in North America playing really well. At most there was five out of 12 so I think it was sure. pretty even all year. I don't think you can be, you can really say one region had their leg yeah. up over the other. Yeah. I mean, imagine if Philly weren't in APAC. How, how ridiculous that board would look. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, also because they'd have been able to play with their full team, probably, more yeah. easily, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think that, so. That would, have been a, that would have been sick to see full strength Philly. People forget, I think, that Philadelphia were up there with Shanghai and Shock last year. Yep. They topped the regular season. They had the best record they in the West. They would have been... They would have been good. They would have been really good. Been banging. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, straight up. Okay. This next topic this is... This one's for Jonathan. This is for Jonathan. This is for Jonathan. And it's... I want to I wanna hear everybody else's take on it, because I have a take on this one. Was Thursday the best day in Overwatch League history? Thursday being the day, it was the... We casted the first two matches, right? The first one went to five. Yeah, what I think was it was Atlanta Gladiators, Atlanta. wasn't it? Something Did like that. Did that go five? Yeah, that went five. There and was then... Fuel Dragons... Well, Fuel Dragons was the last one of the day. Shock Hunters. Shock Hunters, because mm, it was a... Si yeah. We casted 11 yes. maps of Overwatch. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, it and was it was... It was competitive. We saw adaptations being made across the board. And I remember seeing on social media from all of the desk in Hawaii, they were on some special juice <laughs> because they were just, I mean, obviously when you've got the sun shining, the serotonin's yeah. producing in the brains. And you're traveling for the first time. Yeah, They've the also time. never, the desk has never been together, right? Isn't yep. that the first time ever? You're in person for the first time. Yeah. It's like the honeymoon yeah. phase, you know what I mean? And then, and then you're watching this top tier Overwatch at the same time. I can absolutely understand and their what perspective. Was, where were you on Thursday? I was in a dark garage <laughs> um, <laughs> casting alongside you. Yeah, and uh, I don't know why I said that was such disdain. I, I know. Do enjoy. I can't believe it took you both that long to cast in the same room, considering you live in the same fucking house. You make that sound like, like it was on us. You make that sound us. like it was on us. It was on us trying to push for that. There is, 
They were trying to push that shit for, a year, for half a year, a and then it, I realized it wasn't getting anywhere, and I decided I'm going to save my own mental health by not pushing for it anymore because clearly it's not happening. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't know because I was casting as the sun was rising, but that's true. Yeah, I mean, you had a slight, you had a way worse gig than us. I'm going to be real with you. You had a way worse time of it. What did you think of the Thursday? Do you do you agree with this? This take? I agree. I think I tweeted out actually. I, th oh, really? I said it was. Or something along the lines of like, this is the best few days of Overwatch um, ever. I just thought every game, obviously going by the score lines, every game was really close, but like every game was like, holy shit, who can fucking win? Everybody had their pop off moments. And yeah, I a thousand percent agree. It definitely wasn't the serotonin from the light because my blinds were drawn. But well, you've got the fish tanks behind you. They provide that's constant true. serotonin. That's true. Mm. That is very. They do provide constant serotonin. You wouldn't believe. Like I was speaking to someone about this the other. Oh, it was Brent actually. We were playing Bloody some yeah, Apex. We've got him on I the fish tangent. I was talking. Yeah, <laughs> I, talking about dude, the fish. Like husbandry behind keeping aquariums like is very like therapeutic, and like you see basically a little environment grow, and you see your little fucking creatures grow, and seeing plants like multiply and being able to you know trim <laughs> off bits and pieces and propagate more plants is a very it's a very therapeutic experience taking yep. care of a uh, fish. You're tanks. out there touching and seaweed every day. As well. yeah. yeah. Oh, I will be soon when I get a marine tank. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, can touch, sweet, you can just touch seagrass every day instead of exactly. grass. I I do have dwarf hair grass, so I can touch dwarf hair grass in my 20 Gs. So there you mm. go. Um, anyway, yes, I did think it was the best uh, day of Overwatch I think we've had in a, a long time. Mm. Or just ever, really. Mr. Prince. It's an exciting day. I definitely felt like. Man, I'm going to be honest, after I was a little roll. I'm not going to lie, as, <laughs> as I got into, as the week, as the week continued, and I, we had just got back from Austin doing yep. the Berlin co-stream, so we were on European time, Yep. and then we were waking up at 5am, fucking feeding the chickens, and milking the cow, and shit, and then co-streaming for like 10 hours every day, and then we came back, I traveled back here, and immediately we swapped to Hawaii time, yep. and it's even later for me, because it's Eastern time because i'm in the worst coast now now i'm on eastern coast and so it's like it's essentially almost like being european and like that point it's like oh, well, what's even like the point so like <laughs> and then on top of that the games go really long we have so many games i started to get rolled and rolled the only thing that saved my mental was watching chengdu lose that was the only thing that saved my mental <laughs> because i have been i have been fighting with chengdu fans for quite i've been beefing i've been beefing with them because i i dare not yield i don't bow down to the chengdu fans i won't do it you can't make me. I won't. I will. I will stand firm, just like all fusion fans. I will stand firm against your fan base for all time. Okay, until you've proven to me that you deserve my idolation, and you haven't done it yet. I'm sorry. But I think the games are great. Uh, I, they were really good. They were fun. I enjoyed it, but I felt that like it fell down in a couple of ways. Mm. I I don't know whether this is just me, but the the knowledge that overwatch 2 is going to be so different and we're going to have probably the highest player turnover we've ever had almost hung over these playoffs like a cloud of poo i completely agree i mean i wouldn't say poo it it, but it you can you, like you can just say you can just say a heavy storm cloud you don't have yeah. to use a doesn't have to be made of feces <laughs> no, in this analogy I, I mean a fecal storm would be way worse yeah. i did introduce a lot of hyperbole uh -huh. with that with that yeah. analogy but, but no i definitely think it, it, it hung over a shadow over it did. the playoffs when i was watching the playoffs i felt like 
I, I was sad that we've only had four years of it. And there's been an asterisk on every single fucking year of the tournament. Okay, first year is, is pretty fine. Second year is dominated by goats. And then we moved to 2-2-2. Two, two, two. Technically so, still the first year there was a meta shift still. Yeah, there so, was a huge playoff patch. There that, was a meta. There was a playoff boned patch. the best team of the regular season. But that's just standard at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, second season has an asterisk because it's like... 3-3 three, three the entire time instead of 2-2-2 two, 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 which everything else was basically then season 3 is all online and the first half of it got fucked up due to COVID so I feel like that should be normally an asterisk except the next season was also all online as well it feels like at no point we got what we were promised it was it feels like um, it feels like we, we've now reached the end of Overwatch without ever having real Overwatch League mm-hmm there was never the homestand model. There yep. was never the big live crowds. And not all of that was Overwatch League's fault. There was a fucking pandemic in the middle yeah, of it. Yeah, I will. But it like, it dampened my excitement for all of this because I was just thinking about the future. Yeah. I'll add in, I, I feel the exact same way as you and I was worried I was going to have to come into it saying, sorry guys, going to bring down the mood a little bit. But you've already done it actually. <laughs> I've already, I've already you pooed the, on the mood. You set the stage. But I do have two other days that I distinctly remember from previous seasons that I think rivaled that day. Because mm -hmm. I do agree that day was amazing. I mean, some incredible Overwatch being played. The, the days that stick in my head are 2018 Stage 1 Finals. Oh, yeah. Which was yeah. the... We had, like, Houston playing against, I want to say, London Spitfire, but yep. it might have been Boston. I can't exactly By the way, remember. in that exact same day, they, we played regular season matches and yes. the tournament. Yeah, it was, the same it was mental. It wasn't good for the players. No. But from where we were on the desk, getting to see... I think it was a five-map game of London-Houston. Then... Um, London beat somebody else to go to the final. Can't even I think remember who it was. Houston beat, oh, Houston. I think, I think Houston, Houston beat London in the regular season, if I'm remembering correctly, yeah. earlier that day. And then they played each other. I think New York had a direct pass to sure. That the sounds about finals, right. maybe because the format was so it was wonky that early on. But no, I mean but that that sticks out in my mind. Reverse sweeping to be able to make it, and it was our first final feel that we had had at the blizzard arena yep. and it was packed to the rafters and it just felt like this is the birth of overwatch league that's mm -hmm. what that day felt like to me and it it will always be one of the most special the other one actually i guess i've got two but the other one is um the san francisco shock beating the vancouver titans in stage two finals of uh 2019 yep where they were able to... Th that, I think, is still the most watched game of Overwatch because yep. it was on uh, ABC or ESPN oh, or something. Or something? I don't know. Yeah, I think it was on like multiple One of those like, network shows or television yeah. shows. Yeah. And it did, it, it did incredibly well, and it was an insane gigabanger. The other one, though, that I saw people online talking about, too, is the Summer Showdown finals from last year oh. um, where we had incredible five-map series where San Francisco Shock lost to Paris. Yeah. Uh, sorry, San Francisco Shock lost to Philadelphia, right? And then, I think it was that. And then Philadelphia lost to Paris. I'm and both sure of them were five maps. Finals. I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely Philly-Paris in the finals, but I think it was... Was it Paris? Did Paris make the run through both of those teams, now that I think about it? I Fucking think so. I, I think remember. they did, yeah. But either way, it was ridiculous. Shock, yeah. Because it was the Genji meta, right? Yeah, and it was the Genji Sparkle. Meta. Yeah, they had just. I think. Yeah, I think. Dominating. They, they had, yeah, Sparkle they really against EQO, and then mm -hmm. like, oh, like yeah. yes, dude, you cast that yeah. game. That was actually I did an interview. I can't remember who it was for, but I said that was my favorite moment 
in Overwatch history, like recently, was the EQO Genji Blades on Rialto yeah. first. Yeah. Bro, and I swear to God. Just, they're wiping each other's teams with Genji Blades. Yeah. Like, you ever seen um, like My Hero Academia and how like the power yeah, of one for all is no, passed yeah. on through generations of no. superheroes? Yeah. Okay. I felt like I was possessed by the fucking spirit of broadcast talent over the years <laughs> in that one moment. Because normally I operate with a constant brain fog. And there was that... If there was ever a moment to have complete clarity in what you were saying, <laughs> it was that fucking moment because that yeah. wasn't the norm. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. Oh, this is it. Yeah, very poggers. This moment. was an absolute. No, this was this was thing. Paris Shock. This was yeah. Paris Shock. This wasn't the Giga moment because that was oh, no, this, that was no, Paris was, playing no, against. No, the Giga yeah. moment was Paris the fusion. Play. Was the fusion, fusion. match? Yeah, yeah. but the neg, which was in the grand finals. But yeah. but Kurt's showing this as well, which was the game before it, which was also incredible. Yeah, yes. and the fact that both of these games were back to back to me. I think this might take the cake, but it also didn't have the live crowd feel to it too. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. why I was saying some moments from 2018 and 19 too, because at least those had crowds to them that added to the excitement and the hype. Uh, I also remember the grand finals of Barclays Arena, but the games weren't that good. It was just the environment was incredible there yeah. if you were there the atmosphere in person. atmosphere was amazing. Yeah. But I think they're pretty close overall. I mean, because also you have to take into account the different factors, right? Because... This these playoff these were during the literal po playoffs while this was yes a, uh, a yeah. tight while this was just a stage right so there's higher stakes but also if you take into account the fact that the meta here for some people would find more exciting Genji was being played and like a lot yeah. of he heroes that people really enjoy and when you consider the narrative factor of Eternal but the thing is that also gets canceled out by Atlanta's narrative factor where a lot of people didn't think Atlanta was gonna be doing this well yeah. in playoffs and they came and played off so I like, think. Part of it to me, oh, though, too, is that choose. in 2020, I had no expectations of there being live events. And so that moment still sticks out to me because it was the best that anyone was doing, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, whereas yeah. right now, I've just come off the, off watching the Valorant Berlin tournament and it being a live event and seeing the players there in person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, just blew me away far more than the Overwatch League playoffs did because we'd gone yeah. back to being online. It's like we were starting to transition yeah. into live stuff. We were promised live stuff, and then it gets taken away because of COVID uh, stuff. This so is, it, it dampened it somehow. This is what I wanted to talk about, which you've just, I mean, you just kind of stolen the point, but that's okay. I mean, I, I thought I was going to be the, the only one just, again, putting a downer on everything, <laughs> but the... Matt I and will, Johnny aren't here. We're allowed to talk freely now. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, you know, we're not being held hostage. So it's the... I will say, okay, with respect to the Overwatch League and their decision-making, we were supposed to have a live feel with a crowd for the playoffs yeah. and everything. And um, some companies prioritize the live feel in the tournaments, but the Overwatch League prioritized player health over anything else. Yeah. And when the Delta variant... Startup. I mean, it's still popping off right now, but around the time as well, they were very uncertain. I they did everything in their power to ensure that there may might there would be live events still, and the the risk to potential reward of having the, the pop off moments, it it there was just too much risk attached. Um, yeah, for, they also for them to go ahead with it. They don't have a studio in Berlin like Riot yeah. does. Yeah, the Overwatch um, League is based in North America, and some of the players it would be unsafe for them to travel to North America yeah. because. They haven't been vaccinated. Yeah. And that's not that they didn't want to get vaccinated. It's that in a lot of countries, they don't have the supply of vaccines yeah. to, to get vaccinated um, for younger people anyway. But I wanted to jump off of this point uh, of talking about this because I still feel like there could have been more done in this playoffs. There was a big disconnect for me watching and casting as well from the garage and uh, and watching it as well. When you're looking at the virtual set and you're just seeing the individual player cam POV, 
I'm missing something here. The entire team is there in person. With Berlin, you had... And, and comparing us to other esports titles as well, because I think Rainbow Six is kind of returning to like these live right, right. events being played with, with all the teams in one location. You see the emotion a lot more, the players, the, the, the interaction between the team members. And when you have the players in one area, it felt like there, there was... Get someone with a camera in the yeah, room. get mean. someone with a camera in the room. They missed a bit of a step because it just... It, it, there was a wedge already hammered in from it being like this online kind of pseudo weird tournament system where we're, we're playing from Hawaii, which again, techno technologically fantastic and, and incredible that that's even possible. But there was missing. There was something missing. For the viewers, for me watching, I don't know if you guys felt the same way about this, but when a team lost, instead we were looking at a virtual perspective of their front-facing cameras. And sometimes it just got up and left. It was like yeah. they just disappeared into the ether. And that, and that could be, that could have been the last time we ever saw those players playing. Yeah. And it was just yeah. gone like that. There was no, you didn't get to see the send-off, you didn't get to see the team, the, the reactions, the emotions really as much on their faces. Um, and... We did for Shanghai at the end when they won. We did for Shanghai at the end when they won. And but that was also very weird because they looked like it was just a... Because the hype had been killed because of the Overwatch 2 show match. Because the Overwatch 2 show match. Yeah. The momentum had been yeah. taken away from it. Yeah. So this was a really weird um, playoffs. Just watching and participating in it when you compare it to current live esports events that are taking place. But respect to the Overwatch League for prioritizing player health over that, of course. I think that should always be the case. Um, but yeah, it, it unfortunately led to a very off-feeling playoffs and end. It didn't feel conclusive in nature. It felt like, I don't know, it just kind of petered out. The grand finals were also a whimper, not a bang. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> Which doesn't yeah. help, right? If they had been a slap in finals, I think a lot of people's thoughts would have probably shifted a bit. Yeah, but that's okay. how everything works. If everything's if X is better, then like you can hide a lot of things. It's like how winning solves every problem. Mm -hmm. It's like yeah, but like you know you can't plan everything around best case scenario. It's like what did we yeah. get? So it yeah. is very unfortunate because it seems like if you already have all your production crew in Hawaii, and then there was a separate production crew, it seemed in Korea where they had all the APAC teams. There was definitely some missed opportunities to at least make it feel more seamless and get more of that live broadcast yeah. feel. Which yeah, felt, was definitely missed opportunity. Not a bit disconnected. And, and moving forward, I to like next Dylan year. Francis. Yeah, the little set. I Dylan actually Francis actually, that. the set was fun. The it set kind was actually kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I saw I got a bunch around, of people. I jumped up for him. You know, I saw I people. Around. I tweeted about it because normally, oh, okay. So I didn't get to see the Zed concert in, I think it was 2019, wasn't it? When Zed yeah, played. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't get to see it. We didn't it. get to see it because we were doing the desk in a different area of the, the, of the stadium and we, we were in a like rehearsal. The, the, what was it they call it? Like the stepchild under the stairs? That's what <laughs> yeah. it felt like in 2019. They vanished us away. But I didn't get to see that. But So this was my favorite performance of any eSport I've watched, actually. This was my favorite one. Um, and I know that it's a bit weird because there's no crowd and stuff. But I was just sat there just bopping along at home and I just enjoyed the tunes and it got me got me amped up to watch. Uh, I appreciated that. I thought it was pretty good. Not everyone's yeah, cup I of tea. So. Of course, it's subjective, but I liked it. Uh, I want to say as well, just because I don't know when the next episode I'm going to be on. It's just seemed they'd pull me out of a hat to come <laughs> on for these, to, to come on to Platchat Overwatch these days. But moving forwards for next year, just to add a final feel for this, I want to see them, I want to see some move into the direction of having more budget to do content, having like uh, more of a focus on trying to like capture players' emotions and, and the actual players themselves. Because that's what ties people into esports is the narratives and, and feeling and empathizing with the players, their their commitment, their 
dedication over the year and how you know that can just end in an instant in a tournament. That's what people get attached to in esports. And when you have it, when you still have the feel of it being like an online tournament, when you're looking at just these individual player cams, you don't get that as much. So I want to see more leaning into that the next year, um, personally. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, the next segment, the most important segment, the last segment, the final segment. Wait, are we actually going to have Bren picking a Bren's player of the week? Yep. Holy Whoa, shit. First time no in a long way. time. Holy I, shit. The entire, no by way, the way, every Paul. episode that I'm off, you, you've never asked me. I have. For who. I asked you literally the last episode I asked you, and you told me who invented fucking chloroplast. Yeah, that, was a, that was the Not only invented, time. discovered. No, he didn't discover chlorophyll. Didn't he? he dis- no, he was a he was a physicist that was applying mathematical form. Okay, it doesn't fucking matter. Because this week, my Bren's player of the week is actually going to be going to an Overwatch player. No I know, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Fucking crazy. I've asked us about to fall asleep. <laughs> I'll make it quick. I'll make it quick. Okay. Um... It's a player I mentioned earlier, actually. You might have already got a feel for it. Um, and I voted for them for the Grand Finals MVP before I saw Lip pop the fuck off. But it's Izayaki, who is my yes, like, player yeah. of the week for their unreal performance, I think, that they put up um, across the entirety of the playoffs as well. Because an underrated aspect of Shanghai's dominance against so many different looks is Izayaki having a fundamental understanding of how to position himself, how to play into them, um, which kind of just went unseen when you know the flashiness of the the dps is is coming alive yeah yeah but it was on the anna on the zenyatta everything coming together like when he was playing the anna into a lot of these like rush compositions and whatnot as well bionades every fucking time always a minimum of a two-man bionade always at the perfect time in the teleporter to just completely disrupt any sort of initial push when the rush composition has the most momentum and power behind it just disrupting it instantly winning it for a team constantly the zenyatta with the positioning and just how much damage he was putting out as well from that position, it must just feel like you're going up against four DPS. <laughs> like when, when you've yeah. got Izayaki on the field, because the guy was just dominating, but also knew exactly how to play in terms of positioning, had a really, really good tournament. Do you remember how shaky he looked when he debuted for the Valiant? Yep. He, yeah. he looked like a fragger that didn't really have a good brain. He was missing his positioning. His ults were really poor. The coordination on the Valiant wasn't great. But my God, the improvement that this guy has made Insane. over the last yeah. three seasons has just been monumental. He looked great last year as well. Yep. But so yeah, Izayaki, so good, is my player of the match. What is this? This now, is this when is he was so high around this, the corner. This is ridiculous. Pelican. I yeah. mean, I simply don't. He know walked how past he him. I don't know. He how walked that past two, two different players. I don't know how to happen. I, I don't mean, know. He must yeah, have the been. On the whole... <laughs> he must have been scouting though, because the the pathing was weird. When you saw Shanghai setting up for this play, I was looking at it and I was like, okay, they're going for something cheeky here. And then I saw the rain cautiously coming out of spawn and Pelican walking through there, and I'm like, oh, they've read it. That's fucking Giga Brain. They've read the outplay, and then Pelican just wandered past them. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, it looks like they were all. I mean, Rain Roll still stuck in spawn, but I mean, like, I, I don't know. Either way, just, he wasn't expecting it, obviously. So yeah, but. yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool, though. Good shout, though. Good shout. Izzyaki had a good year. Thank Very you, good sir. year. Um, we could keep this going a little bit longer, actually, if you want. Uh, now that we've done Prince Player of the know, Week, just, uh, I'm enjoying our, our presence. Yeah. No, I'm enjoying. Let's I'll tell you what, though. Yeah. It, we, me, and Jaws were talking about this earlier. 
It's Valheim time. Now that we're in the off season, it is. It's Valheim time, oh, yeah. and Connor also, wants to play have, as well. You want to play Valheim? Yeah, I'll play yeah. Valheim. We I, I obviously what, I can't do it. What a four stack! Right, I might be able to do it. Well, we, if we, we try to do it this week. I could up. maybe. We have a lot coming up. Yeah, yes. but we do at least have some time in the off season. But there's also yes. after that. It's after what's yeah, coming think... up, and also even before if we if theoretically if we did it like a day or two. But I prefer to do it after everything is done. You know, because yeah, then we just so have like I. large yeah. swaths of just oh, like exactly. I want to slay orcs okay. and well, stuff. I want to kill orcs. goblins and skeletons. The gobos. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the gobos. I'm definitely I'm definitely down to do some to to do some nice variety. I want to do a lot of variety content the off season and start with some. I have Valheim and I've only put it with my roommates like once, so I'm I'm like yeah. not very far in. You guys are like a whole stage further than I was because uh, I only I mean, played we, the first boss. Because we can catch you up super quick. It's gonna be super fun. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what we're gonna do. Anyway, <laughs> let's put a wrap on the show. I think. Thank you very much for watching, everybody. This has been Plat Shadow Overwatch episode 106 make sure you like the video make sure you subscribe make sure you even hit the, the little bell notification as well Slap so you can get all the updates um from when we're doing different stuff on the channel yeah and we will um, have an overwatch 2 episode that is just about overwatch yeah. 2 probably next week we'll just replace yeah. the main episode with like a full overwatch 2 thing hopefully we'll get a player on that got to test it too and also make sure to follow our twitter as well plat chat podcast which is at the bottom on top of it and i want a bit of extra engagement out of everybody Ooh, i'm really going to be squeezing what's the comment? this one <laughs> Twenty thousand likes one hundred thousand. We can do it. Hundred thousand. There it is. We can yeah, do it. That sounds reasonable. I, I want to like. know what your favorite moment of the Overwatch League from what we've seen so far yeah, is. We've, total we've, history. We've talked about ours. Uh, what was your favorite moment from Overwatch League? Do you agree that Thursday was the best day that we ever had, or was it a different moment? Let me know in the comments. I'll read them. I will actually read them. Mm. Um, you won't see that acknowledgement because. Well, I might not be on another episode for another 50 episodes. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it might be a while until I actually get back to you on it. But, yeah, thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time. Bye.